Only the haters going to complain. <laughs> no running. Come on, you guys. Hey, guys, you all uh, ready? Everyone's set? Oh, yeah. Mic check. Can I actually recycle my uh, review, like the way Prince recycles songs on albums? <laughs> <laughs> save it Save it for, save it for the show. Save it for the show, player. Started already. <laughs> save it for the review. It, it would be incredible if, if our listeners actually heard like all this stuff, all the talk that we do before we actually press record, that would be funny. Uh, yeah, as if that would happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we should do a show like that one day. <laughs> anyway, Toejam. Toejam, tell us, tell us the news. Well, I, I thought you know we've been going for what five, six years now. Seven or eight a bit years. Stale. Seven or eight. Wow. Things are getting a bit stale around here, and I thought, you know, we need to freshen things up. So I thought I'd um, hook up with my good mate Josh, who's a who's a you know sort of semi thinks he's a producer. So I thought I'd send the theme music over to him, and you know, let him pee on it and uh, see what he sends back. So here's our new theme music. Hit it. Yo, yo, yo. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast. We are here again. We've returned to the virtual roundtable, and joining me on the show is Player. I still got a bit of dirt under these $100 nails. Toe jam. My click is hot. (laughs) I can hear you clicking in the background. And Captain. Ding, ding, ding. Bong, bong. Do, do, do. (laughs) <laughs> Bunch of sounds that I don't like. Fantastic. And this is me, uh, formerly known as MC, currently known as Rob S. I think for the first time using the Rob S name on the Peach and Black show. Yeah, we are here. Everyone gathered here today to discuss the latest Prince album. Of course, it's called Hit and Run Phase One. Uh, we shall see whether there will be further phases of this project. Just like the work part one. (laughs) My money says probably not, (laughs) but we'll see. And yeah, let's get straight into it. The last album review we did was Artificial Age, of course, which came out in 2014. And about a year later, he's come out with another complete album for us to review, which which is awesome. And uh, we're going to get straight into it. We'll do our usual track-by-track review. But I just thought this one, more than any other album in recent memory, deserves a bit of a typical peach and black free-for-all discussion about or chat about uh, the title release and everything that went along with it. I think it's worthy. What do you guys say? Let's have a talk about this. It came out on title to start with. Exclusive. Yeah, it's exclusive. Did we say that in the last episode? We predicted it. Mm. We looked into our crystal ball. Was there? Oh, we started that the last show with that. We're going to be streaming exclusive on title. Yeah, that's right. Hmm. So it was released on title. I signed up to title because of that. Did you guys do the same? Yeah, I caved as well. Yeah, I really didn't want to, and then I had to hear the album. So yeah, a free first month. So I thought, why not? Well, do you listen to other artists through it? Uh, no, or you I just been listening to the print stuff that's been uploaded. Uh, pretty much the print stuff. Okay. 
So we all signed up for the free trial, obviously. Yeah, what suckers we are. Uh, I waited for the CD. Oh, you didn't sign up? Really? Oh, there you go. No. Okay, because when you were asking Tojim about whether he listens to other artists, and he said, no, I've been listening to Tidal every day, checking out new music, and I will probably stay on for the next couple of months at least. Oh, wow. Anyway, back to Hit and Run. It was released on Tidal initially, then the CD came out. As of yet, there is no vinyl version. No. Which is, that kind of makes sense to me, because I won't get into this now, but I will mention that the sequencing to me is completely off, and I'm going to go on a rant at some point about the sequencing. Oh, my God. (laughs) This being such a digital-sounding album, I don't think Mm. it would benefit at all by being on vinyl anyway. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So the title mention is important, I think, because it's it just changes the way that we've experienced Prince music for well, other what player. What it is is just it's... yet another alternative way of releasing an album. He did it the <laughs> traditional way for so long, and then he tried it giving it out at concerts. He tried giving it out with newspapers, and this is just another different way that he's done. Add it to the list. Let's not forget also on that day where it all started, we also had a whole lot of albums there that hadn't been released, uh, like Slaughterhouse and Chocolate Invasion, C Note, um, all of these albums that had only been haven't been in print expectation. Yeah, for so long. So listening to those again, like I got I got into listening to those again, especially given that they originally only streamed in like an MP3. Now they're like supposedly better quality, uh, and I think they are. They sound better. Um, so that, that was good as well. Well, yeah, this this is the best quality they've been released in. So you know, Prince's back catalogue is mostly there. There's a few albums not there, but it's mostly there in good quality. I'm sure there's like the ones that aren't there. It'll be some obscure contractual thing or something. That's that's all it is. So back to the album. Well, just before we talk about the songs, I was going to ask all of you whether anyone, whether, whether everyone was expecting an album so soon after Artificial Age. No, I wasn't. I was surprised that. They got it together as quickly as they did because the, the first thing we heard was some interview on BBC Six with Hannah and she's like, oh yeah, there's an album and oh, as soon as you know we, we, we get our act together, it'll, it'll be out there. And it was surprisingly quick until it came out. As soon as I heard that, you know, I'm like, yeah, it could be four months, who knows? And it, was, it wasn't that long at all. It was pretty quick from the time that we first heard about it then. It was a lot shorter time than I expected. But don't you think that, like, with half the album being remixes and already stuff that's being released, like it wouldn't take that long to put together something like this anyway? I guess so. I mean, especially if Josh has been predominantly working on this alone. Yeah. I, I see this album as a artificial age B slides slash remix album. Did you just say slides? I think I did. <laughs> B slides. Okay. B slides. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like the cover, you know, there's two or three songs on there that are related to Artificial Age in some way. It's got a similar sound. I don't know. The whole thing, it kind of reminds me of the Rave Into, Rave Unto thing. It's almost like a, it's a, it's a piece that goes with Artificial Age. Yeah. That's the way I see it. It would have been cool if, like, if when Artificial Age came out, CD of Hit and Run was, like, accompanied with it. That would have been kind of cool. Yeah. And then there's still further phases, possibly. So who knows? Well, the Hit and Run Phase 1 is the official version. Hit and Run, the Rob S. resequenced version, is Phase 2, in my opinion, <laughs> anyway. so MC, what if there was no digital age and you were stuck with vinyl? How would you resequence an album? You'd be stuffed. I would be stuck. <laughs> but you know what? I reckon I'd figure out a way. 
<laughs> I'd, I'm sure I'd figure out a way. I'd write a letter to Prince and ask him to <laughs> allow me to be his uh, album sequencer. You'd be knocking on the record plant's door saying, print this the way I want it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, though, for anyone that hasn't heard my version, the Rob S. Resequence version, please go to my Rob S. Twitter account, which has about a total of eight posts so far. You can tell <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I'm really getting into it. But one of them is my resequenced title playlist of Hit and Run, and I think it is the definitive version. Uh, obviously, I would say that. But anyway, have a listen to that. Now, back to the back to the album. Why don't we at least have a go at talking about the music contained within it? And I guess we have to start... I was just going to say, before we get into the songs, I have to say a couple of things. When I started listening to this album to write these notes, I had to decide how I was going to do it because this is not a normal album. Do I review this as a straight Prince album or as a as a collaboration, knowing that you know every beat on this album was not created by Prince, as far as we know, and it gave me something to deal with. Uh, <laughs> Prince sang, he played some bass, he played some guitar, and that's about it. Maybe a, a keyboard somewhere. It's like he's a, a guest on someone else's album. It was weird. So I came to this conclusion: whether he created the beats or not, he still at least had to approve of them he wouldn't be doing it if he hated it uh, i guess so with that in mind i reviewed i wrote all my notes reviewing this mostly on the strength of prince's vocal guitar and bass work on this album and not a lot of talk about the beats themselves because i don't think they're so great so i didn't spend that much time listening to that part of it so yeah in saying that though i think that most people that heard this certainly the first time they heard it would have noticed the beats and the production oh, I did. Uh, I did. more so than anything. Yeah, but then I found out he didn't have that much to do with it. And I'm like, well, I don't want to review Joshua Welton's work. <laughs> I'm not interested in that. That's not why I'm here. That's not what yeah. we're paid the big bucks for, is it? Yeah. <laughs> would you uh, have reviewed Joshua Welton's work if you would have enjoyed it more? If I didn't know it was him? If you didn't, well, no. No, if it's him, if you, well, first of all, did you enjoy his production work? Did you enjoy the beats? I can't give that away so quickly to that's, the start of the show. True. Yeah, that's true. But then the other thing that I had to think about was, again, do you review this as just a straight-up Prince album, or is this just, like Jam said, it's just you know some remixes and a few older tracks and a couple of new tracks thrown in just to keep us interested? So there was a few things to think about. Let me ask you this question. Think about this one. If you didn't know that Josh had anything to do with this album, would you have batted an eyelid? Would you have noticed any difference? I would have noticed. I think you'd have a fair idea. Whether we knew nothing about Josh, no one could listen to this album and the the sound of this album and the production and not hear something different. Hear something different, but... It's not that different to Artificial Age, but to just about everything else he's ever done. This is by far, like, it's very different. Production wise. Okay, but if you didn't know that Joshua Walton was the force behind the beats and the production, and and let's say you had read in in an article or in the album liner notes that Prince was was a, another one man band thing, would you have even blinked? I think you can tell. I, th- I think even if it was advertised as Prince doing everything, I think you would still come away going, "This album sounds different to every other Prince album." Yeah, like, exactly. In terms of the production. Mm. 
Whether or not you like that or dislike it is a different question. But I think, you know, obviously every album sounds a little bit different. But I think this one, you definitely go, you know, it has a different sound to it. Like there's parts of it that don't sound like princely production. It's drastically different from what he's done before. Well, drastically. It is. For Prince it is. Yeah. Production. Yeah, it is. So if that's the case, then that's exactly what Toe Jams wanted all these years. Yeah, no, I don't have any complaints with the intent of that. I'm actually I'm actually glad that he's tried something different and tried, you know, having someone else produce the beats and, and in terms of the if that was the goal and that's the intent, then I have no problem with that. I'm happy for that actually. The results And give it all away. No, no, no. The results we will get to. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I'll put it this way. Even if even if and I don't, even if I completely hated this album, <laughs> which I don't, I would still prefer to hear this than another album that sounded Oh, it's another 3121 kind of thing. It's another planet Earth. Yeah. Does that make sense? Stuck with that same stale. Yeah. That's what we're yeah. I would, yeah. I, I'm, glad that, I'm glad I'm hearing something that it doesn't sound like another Prince album. I've said this a bunch of times before with tracks that were an obvious attempt at something different and whether they succeeded or failed, I'd still rather hear them than never have heard them. Yeah. So if he, if he tries totally something agree. different and it comes out crap... And everyone's like, oh, this is crap. He's just trying to do this. But I'd still rather have heard it than not have heard it. Think of expectation. There is no way that expectation even comes close to being like a classic jazz album. Not even close by a long shot. You know, when I, when it came out, and even now I'm like, you know, it's really cool to have an album that's like a Prince album, but it's the jazz album kind of thing. It's good to hear him trying some, trying different things. I made him release that album, by the way. <laughs> I'm, sure we've, I'm sure we've told that story. We have. And, and we made him release this one too because we've been saying for years, oh, he needs to get a producer. So. Yeah. <laughs> Look, from my point of view, the fact that, that he is involving Joshua Welton, who is basically the producer and beat maker, supposedly, on all, these, uh, on all of his recent material, I think is amazing. And I said this when, when Artificial Age first came out. I couldn't believe that more wasn't said at the time and I can't believe that more isn't being said now about the fact that this young kid, basically, or this young guy, uh, he's not a kid, a young guy is being given the opportunity to co-produce, basically, the last two Prince albums. That is incredible. And why I think that's brilliant, other than the fact that Prince is doing something different, is the fact that this could possibly, at some point, lead to Prince collaborating in a more organic way with other producers and other artists in the future. That's what really intrigues me about it. We shall see. Yeah, that would be interesting. It's almost like I feel like Prince allowing Joshua to, to co-produce this stuff and in some cases produce some of the sounds is the first step in a journey that is far from over and, and really intriguing to see you know who Prince is going to collaborate with in the future. Because if he's allowing... He obviously respects Josh, but if he's allowing him into his inner circle as far as collaboration is concerned, then just imagine the possibilities of him collaborating with other people as well. Yeah, maybe so. I could get in there. <laughs> you could. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm laughing, but that could happen. Okay, player's got something to say. Player, the vote. I was just going to say that with this particular show, we've done the fan vote as well. So we'll give you the results <laughs> during the show. Is it a Stone Cold classic or straight up hot garbage? You will find <laughs> out during this show. Straight up hot garbage. And, and player, without revealing the details, the ins and outs, and the actual numbers of people, is it safe to say we were blown away by the? Oh yeah, we had 
we had four times the amount of votes than the AOA and Plectrum reviews. Like everyone wanted to have a say about this album. You know, thousands of votes came in. Even um, the days we weren't promoting it, like we still had a stream of people voting and the results are quite interesting. You might be surprised by some of the, the results that come through, actually. Hundreds of thousands. Yeah. 800,000 people voted. <laughs> could you tell? That's more people that bought the album. Um, <laughs> did, could you tell from the IP address how many of them were from Minneapolis, by any chance? Uh, I didn't dig into the results that much, no. It was Jesse. It was so the IP Jesse. addresses are just a series of numbers to me. I don't know what the... <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's go into our track-by-track album review. And obviously, we need to start with the album opener, which in this case is track number one, Million Dollar Show. I'm going to hand this over to Player. Give us your thoughts on Million Dollar Show, the song. Okay, Million Dollar Show. Opens with the For You 1999 and Let's Go Crazy intros with the thunder rumbling mixed underneath it. This song is short, sweet and catchy. It's upbeat and fun. It's really driven by the hand clap sound and it's obvious it's designed as the concert show opener to be played over the PA before the main show starts. I don't know if it works as an album opener. I mean, this is supposed to be that type of hype build-up kind of song, but the fact that Prince is a guest star, the Judith Hill, is one of the reasons why this song's a bit weak. The horns feature some really nice embellishments, and the orchestra is very subtle in the mix until the outro. The highlight for me are all the bass licks and pops that interweave throughout the track, in and out. It's really nice. It's a very interesting choice to kick off this album. All right, all right. Toe Jam, what are your thoughts on the album opener? I sort of agree with Player overall. I'm not a big fan of the song intros at the very beginning. The first time you hear it, it's okay. But after that, it's just sort of this wasted 40 seconds um, before the song gets into it. And I always find I'm, I'm just fast forward 40 seconds. And I think it's really obvious that this was made for a live concert PA kind of thing. I'm pretty sure it's missing a verse. I remember when they played this at the Baltimore show, uh, before the concert started on the PA. I, I swear there was another verse, which I can have here in my head, but it's not on here. Um, and I'll have to try and go back and have a listen to it, see if I can find it. Oh, is it the thing that's streamed on Tidal, that thing? Yeah. Ah. I, I reckon there's another verse. I can still hear it in my head. The MPG horns, I'm pretty sure this one, this is back to the old horn heads, uh, which is good that they're back on this album on a few of the songs. Yeah. I think the song, parts of it, it's probably the most princely song this one in some ways in terms of that happy poppy funky sort of sound it reminds me very much of song of the heart a similar kind of vibe judith hill does a good job on the vocals but it's kind of odd having a guest vocalist on the first song Uh, and there are a lot of guest vocalists on this album which is not necessarily a bad thing but just interesting there's a little three chains of gold kind of reference at two minutes and uh, my favorite part is just the music at 245 which is the bit where prince is talking about um, the haters and everything like that. But I really love what's happening in the music at the background. The bass is really cool. There's a really cool, like, old 70s Moog synth sound. That's, that's really cool. Only lasts for a few seconds. But then you've got Prince, you know, talking about haters going to hate and only the haters going to complain. <laughs> and uh, I, I, it just feels like, okay, you're either with Prince or you're against Prince. There's, sort of, there's no in-between, it seems. And I'm not a big fan of that hand clap sound that runs all the way through, that cha-cha, little electronic, really kind of grates your ears uh, kind of sound. So it's not a bad song. It's, it is kind of skippable in some ways, but it's not terrible. Yeah, I'm very much underwhelmed by this. 
both as a song and as an album opener, I'm underwhelmed. And I think it's not a very strong start to the record itself. Not a big fan of the intro where it sounds like Josh has amalgamated, you know, three song beginnings from the early 80s Prince discography and kind of just blended them together into Judith's vocal, which is fine, but it re- it's very reminiscent of, to me, it just sounds like Beyonce. The, her inflection and her tone and the way she sings the, the lyrics themselves, it sounds like a wannabe Beyonce track because of that. And the hand claps and the really kind of poppy sounds, it's kind of like bubblegum pop to me. And I don't really have a, I don't, I don't know, it's just not a great track to open the album with, as I said, and it doesn't really do much for me. There's some really interesting things happening with the horns and some of the arranging. It's an interesting kind of, I guess, mashup, but that's about as much as I can say about it. And I think the album would be much better without it, which is why when I did my Rob S. Resequenced version on <laughs> Tidal, uh, for any for anyone uh, for yeah. anyone who wants the link, I'll I'll uh, send it out somewhere online. Um, you can find it on Rob S. Twitter account, I guess. I can I can vouch for it. I actually had to listen to it today, and I think it's a pretty good playlist, actually. Really? Are you just saying that because we're live? Or? I was surprised yeah. at how, how they all actually flow one into the other. Oh. Well, that's pretty easy when they all start and end with explosions. They just all go together. <laughs> <laughs> it, made my, it made my job resequencing this album a lot easier. You're right. Uh, so, okay, well, if Toe Jam says it, I'm just going to repeat that again. You can find that my resequenced version on Tidal, <laughs> um, Rob S. Twitter. Just Google that and, and click on the link and let me know what you think. But yeah, this this song could could have been left off, and the album would have been much better for it. And with that, we go to Captain. Oh God, <laughs> Prince! <laughs> for someone who talks so much about not looking back, he really likes to do it when it suits him. <laughs> it's, it just annoys me. You've got snip, you got the start, you got for you, you've got nine ninety nine. Let's go crazy. I don't mind this track though. It, yes, it sounds a bit like Beyonce. Doesn't help. The main vi- vocal is female vocal and not Prince, but there's some funky bass lines, there's some classic Prince guitar licks throughout this track. You hear Prince on a few backing vocals, but he really only comes in just just about two minutes in. And this track reminds me of a bit of that song on Lotus Flower, which was the dollar sign song, Money. And strangely enough, that's also a track with a dollar sign in the title, just like this one. Uh, but there's some nice strings through this track, which are these new guys. Was it String Genius? Yeah. Is that them? N Genius? Yeah. String yeah, Genius? Right. There's a bit of a rap near the end, and this is my first big problem with this album. Oh, let me guess. Where he says he's in the back of the plane and you hear the plane sound. Let me guess. That's, is that <laughs> I it? I didn't even notice the plane sound, actually. Is there one there? Yeah. There, there is. Oh, your favourite. Have a listen to it. See, it's I was so annoyed at what he was actually saying, I didn't even <laughs> notice that. I didn't really care the first few times I heard it, and then the more I listened to it, the more it annoyed me. Now, whether he's being serious, that's up for debate, but let's assume there's intention behind what he's saying, because I doubt he'd even say them if they had no meaning or relevance to him. It's just like the height of arrogance to write off any negative criticism as, oh, they're just haters. Only the haters ever complain. I can't be the only one who has a problem with that if he's being serious. Prince is a hater-hater. He is. That's racist. That's what it is. 
It's just ridiculous. <laughs> he's saying, you know, if, if you're a true fan, you will just praise every single note that he's ever played, and anyone who says anything against him is just instantly written off as a hater. That's like saying if you're if you're a regular listener of the Peach and Black podcast, you must absolutely love every single thing we've done and every single comment we've ever made. Exactly. And retweet everything that we tweet. That's 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 how it should work. Yeah. But this is the world that this guy lives in. You know, I'm sure we brought this up sometime before, maybe it was with AOA or Plectrum. Yes, it's nice to be in this positive environment, but on the other hand, an environment filled with just yes people and no criticism at all does not always end well. This song also, first song on the album, starts the trend of this implied swearing. It's like, I'm not swearing, but I'm, I'm sort of swearing. And that's another thing that annoys me. Other people have brought it up. Can't hear Jack in the back of my plane. There isn't a person alive who doesn't hear that and understand that Jack means Jack shit. <laughs> Everyone knows that. <laughs> so, oh, you know, I, I, I can just hear, you know, Prince saying now, oh, if you're hearing swear words where there aren't any, then, oh, well, that says more about you than it does about me. Yeah, that's a that's a reflection of what you're thinking. That is bull. Yeah. That is total bull. <laughs> See what I did there? You know exactly what I meant to say, but I didn't say it. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. He knows exactly what he's doing, and it's like he's still trying to be edgy and down with the young kids by implying this swearing words and stay cool, yet still remain within limits of either, you know, being family friendly or his religion or a mix of whatever. But oh, that's just annoying. There's another song where I'll talk about that. Yeah, oh, there's, it's it's just about every song. I like this. Captain's in rare form. I'm liking this. <laughs> Turn the music up so they disinvain. So again, just totally ignore anyone with anything negative to say. Don't just that's that's his world. I, I got to jump in here. I got to jump in here. I'm not totally disagreeing with what you're saying because I find it a bit annoying as well. But the song is kind of comical, and I wonder if it's like he's kind of, if anything, he could also be having a bit of fun at himself. The fact that the music's going on while that part, it's really like comical. So I, I don't know how serious it is. I'll just say that. Well, yeah, but I'm not disagreeing with what you're I saying. I said at the start, you know, whether it's serious or not, uh, we don't know. But yeah. taking it seriously, it's really annoying. Yeah. I guess to Toe Jam's point, we, we do know that Prince definitely has a sense of humour and he's got a unique sense of humour and it would I wouldn't put it past him. You know, it's very possible that he's just poking fun at himself and just having a bit of a laugh. That's certainly, it's certainly possible. So, Well, I take it as, yes, it's being comical, but there's a 100% intention behind it as well. That's, you know, that's what he thinks. But he'll just say it in this, you know, in this way, in this comical Make a joke way out of in it. the song. But still, it's 100% true. Mm. And people are listening to it and going, oh, that's a joke. But to him, no, that's exactly true. Anyway, that's just my opinion. But that's the world he lives in, ran over. It ends with some nice strings, again. But, okay, after all that, overall, I do like this song. It's just that small (laughs) section which really annoys me. The rest of the song is not that bad. Okay, because it's listening to your review until you say you actually like the song. There's like a big disconnect there. (laughs) But, yeah, it's Toe Jam already said, we've got the horn heads back. How can you not mention them? Great, as always. But the song's okay. As an album opener, it you know it does the job, but I think the next track does that even better anyway. But as much as that rap annoys me, which is only a small part of that song, and it's not even really a Prince vocal track with Judith Hill doing most of it, uh, it's okay. It's an album opener. There we go. 
<laughs> rant over. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take it away. Take it away, player. Give us the fan vote results for a million dollar show. Okay, so it's very interesting. Each track, I guess, will have an out of 11 score because there's 11 tracks. This came 10 out of 11. So that's the when you say score, you mean that's the rank. It's yeah, the rank. Tenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, I wouldn't wow. put it that low. I agree with that. I, it shouldn't be on the album if you ask me. But hey, what do I know? <laughs> I think there's so, two other songs that are worse than this one. Anyway, okay. So we, um, you know, we divided the ranking between love, like, neutral, dislike, and hate. So when you combine the love and like together, I guess because it's kind of like splitting hairs there with like dislike and hate splitting hairs as well. When you join those two together, love and like, comes to 45.64%. Yes, it was ranked 10th out of 11. Yeah. Wow. Strange result. Still No, no that makes sense. That means less than songs. half the people, less than half yes. people actually like the song. So 14.55% love it. 3109 only like it. So people think it's okay, but not, you know, right up there. Do you remember on the AOA or Plectrum Electrum... We found that magic number, and I think it was like 6%. 6%, at least 6% loved every track. So I wonder what it's going to be for this album. Yeah. So what was this one that loved it? Uh, 14. 14.55. Okay, remember that number. Okay. <laughs> All right. So with that, let's go into song number two, which is entitled Shut This Down. Because when we drop this, it's going to make a sound. All around the world, when we come to town, we come to shut this And I'll lead this one off because I've got only a little bit to say about it. This song, and don't kill me for saying this because you've probably all got it in your notes, but it obviously reminds me and probably all all of us of My Name is Prince. Yes. In its delivery intensity to a degree and I guess overall impact. It's kind of like his bragging, you know, bragging rights. I'm this, I'm that, you know. And uh, again, just like I didn't quite warm to the opening, the album opener, I also am not really warming to this one. This doesn't really do much for me. It's really try hard, really trying to pander to, in my opinion, the sounds that, that are coming out of a lot of modern hip-hop artists. See, that's where this and My Name is Prince differ, is My Name is Prince, again, was also a try-hard braggathon song, but he pulled it off amazingly. It was funky. See, my, my Name is Prince, for, for, ev- for everything that you can say about it, you can't say that's not a funky track. The music behind that is insane. Yeah, it's got a really cool swing to it and all the rest of it, a really cool feel to it, whereas this track to me... Tries really, really hard to be this modern pop electro slash R&B cut that it just doesn't do it for me. And um, that doesn't mean it's a bad song by my standards, but, you know, because there's some really cool bass parts. There's a nice breakdown there. His vocals actually are really cool. Like just the way he's straining his voice. I'm a real, real big fan of when he does that. And then, you know, whoever's added the filters onto his vocals make it sound even more kind of it's like a mix of raw vocals with like almost robotic electronic process vocals and it's a unique sound his voice that is but you know what the song doesn't do that much to me it's okay but again i prefer to hear the rest of the music on this album without the first two songs so again i'm not a huge fan and uh, with that take it away toe jam um, okay, this is a hard one to review. Is, it's hard to review. The My Name is Prince reference is so clear. 
And you talked about him straining his voice. I appreciate the, the skill that's going in, but I actually find it kind of grating. And it's like that hand claps I was talking about the last song. These first three songs, there's something about them that kind of grate. And maybe it's just that the volume's too high or something, I don't know. But his vocal, I find it really jarring. But that said, it's skillful what he's doing. There's some interesting production going on. There's like this weird burp sound happening on beat four in the left speaker. Have a listen out for that. Sounds like a burp to me. I put here it's a cross <laughs> between My Name is Prince and Slave, the Emancipation track, because it's got that, that they had that on the, it's like some electronic toms or something, or is this sort of this weird synth bass thing? So that's kind of a connection between those songs. There's some interesting sort of cheesy modern day synth sounds in the hook and in the chorus. The bass is really cool all the way through, and there's a lot of that on this album, actually. Like, under, buried underneath the synthesized bass sounds, there's actually some really cool uh, electric bass going on, obviously played by Prince throughout most of this album, so keep an ear out for that. Uh, I think it starts in the second chorus, or the second verse, perhaps. I can't remember. I like the bits where he's talking about his genetics and his DNA. I, again, it's like that last song. I, I don't really care what he's singing about, but I like the effects that are going on. I like the background stuff. When he does the um, electromagnetism part, it, it cuts to this like Game Boy sound. Uh, that's really cool. And he's got this cool effect on his vocal. And then the bass comes in straight after that, which is sort of like leading in from DMSR or something. So that's probably my... Well, I was going to say my favorite part of the song. There's one more that's better than that. Uh, and that is the slap bass section at 212. That's funky, that bass going on there. I've said it sounds like Eda. I mean, I can definitely conceive of Prince playing this, but I don't know. It's almost a little bit uh, more rubbery for him. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is Eda playing that slap bit, but, you know, there's a good chance it's Prince too. Again, the problem with this song is, and I think MC touched on it, it's another one of these Prince ego songs. He's telling everyone how good he is and he's going to shut it down and he's going to get you where you never get got. And these first three, possibly four songs, have the same thing. I'm great, and I'm the best. And it is a bit tired, to be honest. And especially the fact that he's, like, getting close to 60 now. It's like, all right, Prince, we, we know you love yourself. Tired is a great description of this but song. But he's got to get down with the young people, so that's what <laughs> yeah, you've got to yeah, do. Yeah, well, I think that's just part of his nature, you know. Yeah, it, I, I just find it, like, I used to, I didn't ever used to have this problem with those songs, like, because you kind of, you get into it yourself. As I get older, I'm finding those songs really just kind of egotistical almost. Having said all that, it's not a bad song, and I, I like some parts in it. I like the bass. It's a bit too similar to the next song, which I'll talk about, and it's kind of hard to distinguish between the two songs. So it's kind of average overall, I guess. Uh, it finishes with this comical bit, so, you know, sit your <clears throat> down. Again, we know what he's trying to say. Don't you know I'm going to buy you a whistle? So, apparently it's a reference to some comedian. I, I don't know who the comedian is. I tried to look him up, but I forget his name. Apparently, it's one of his jokes. It's very, very, very similar to the end of Musicology, where it has that, boy, I was fine back in the day. Uh, Don't you touch my stereo. It's it's almost the same kind of thing. (laughs) So, you know, a lot of this album, as much as it's supposed to be modern and and everything, there's a lot of throwbacks in this album to other stuff he's done. So uh, that's a very long review for what I think is probably a fairly mediocre song overall. All right. Captain, what do you think of this one? Okay, this is the first of few tracks which we know were around for a pretty long time this was like a year and a half before this album was released it was like played on the pa or something it shows it's an old song not as old as some but it's it's not new the guy shouting bang 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 like through this song just needs to go away that's very annoying after about the first three seconds that's not a good thing and yes there's comparisons to my name is prince everywhere 
online and as you've just heard. And there's a few, but there's differences as well. And yes, this is just a big bragging song like My Name is Prince. The way he sings it is similar. He's pushing his vocals. Even like the breaths and grunts between the lines are there. There's a really good one at like 37 seconds if you want to go and hear one. But that's about where the similarities end. My Name is Prince had an unbelievable live band behind it. And this does not. (laughs) That's it. His vocals... Oh, he's pushing it just hard enough. He's not really trashing it, but it's just aggressive enough to to get that message across. But My Name is Prince did it so much better. And the auto-tune here is used pretty well. I see auto-tune, man. It's just like the whammy bar for vocals. It's... That's how I see it. It's just a, it just annoys me. <laughs> you can sing properly and you don't need auto-tune. It's like if you play guitar properly, you don't need a whammy bar. It's good. <laughs> and it's there, but it, it sort of suits this song, I guess. It's got some good bass. It really kicks in about 124 and it's funky. And uh, Toe Jam's had uh, two, 211, 212 bass solo goes off for a bit. Uh, that's basically the end of the song. There's not much after that. And then, again, at the end, more of this implied swearing... You know, just say, sit your ass down. If that's what you want to say, just say it. Why even bother with this crap? Anyway, that's all. That's all. Do I like this song? Yes, I do. Even after all those things I said. <laughs> Very interesting review from you, Captain. Uh Player, what do you think about this one? Yes, this is not the same track of the same title from Public Enemy or Onyx. This is one of the, as Captain says, artificial age period leftovers. They were playing this at the pre-launch parties from last year, from the artificial thing. So it has been around for a while, and I guess it's here because it's kind of like a artificial age remix album, I guess. First of all, the vocal delivery, i got to agree with you guys. It's got that strained My Name is Prince style going about it, which we've referenced before the comparisons to some Michael Jackson tracks. And to me, it definitely has a tinge of that to it. I can imagine MJ doing this track. I think I like this more as an instrumental, though, than having the vocals in it, to be honest. The highlights for me are 1 minute 20, that cool video game sound that Toe Jam made mention to. But it's at 2 minutes 12 is where the soul is injected into the song with that Larry Graham style of thumping. Prior to that moment, it's pretty soulless, um, driving beat of a song. It's really just beat, and then that bass comes in and really sort of makes it come alive. It's okay, but it's that last 40 seconds or so that makes this song interesting to me. As far as Prince and dance music goes, as wide as that spectrum is within the genre of dance music, this and probably the next three tracks have a certain industrial dance sound that he seems to favour. And it's a sound that has only evolved in my mind slightly from the 90s dance stuff like Slave, Loose, The Human Body. To me, it's kind of like Nine Inch Nails, The Prodigy and Skrillex had a three-way and it's offspring would sound (laughs) like these tracks. I'm not sure if it's a genre he's ever completely nailed because it always, to me, comes off as dated and not cutting edge. I, I, I agree with that for sure. Yeah. So I can see for this song, like live, I can only see Prince loading this into the sampler for the sampler set and just triggering this beat and just, you know, sort of rapping over it. Wow. It's got that kind of vibe about it. Shut this down in the sampler set. There's something I just am itching <laughs> Itching at, at getting to hear. I just can't believe that Player just said he'd prefer this song is an instrumental. I, w- I don't want to hear anything on this album that's an instrumental. That just wouldn't be. There'd be, <laughs> nothing, there. cool there'd be nothing there. If you just left actual instruments, there'd be a, b- a bit of bass and guitar. Oh, and some synth. That's about it. So do you want to know how this ranks as a fan vote? Oh. Yes, please. 
This actually rated quite high. Um, it came fifth overall. 27.26% loved it and 31.09% liked it. So that gives you a total together of 58.35%. 58! That's the year he was born! <laughs> <laughs> Conspiracy theory. So only 7.81% hate it, but... Yeah, 58%. That's a strong word. Yeah, that is a strong... I think we should re- it is we should probably word. rewrite <laughs> some of the it's terminology in that survey. Yeah, too late. And they, they selected it. It wasn't us. That's an interesting result. So it's it's relatively well-liked, this track. Yeah, fifth. I'd put it about fifth. In the scheme of it, yeah, fifth. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, with that, let's move on to track number three. And uh, that song is entitled Ain't About to Stop. I come from North Midian, I never run for Midian, I ain't about to start right now. And we will open our review of this track by handing it over to Captain. Yay! Now, as usual, I think a lot of people don't like this song, and of course I think it's so far the best track on the album out of the first three. This song really gets stuck in my head. I really like the chorus, that I, I come from North Mini and I ain't... What is it? I come from North Mini and I'm really, really pretty. Something like that. <laughs> I come from North Mini. I just, it gets stuck in my head, even when I'm not listening to the song. That's just in my brain. I don't know about this reader bot blood clot. That, it just sounds horrible. I've read a few things, what it could be, and I don't like any of them. Uh, I like the guitar solo at 224, especially when the harmonies kick in. That's really good. Wish that was a bit longer. And then something we haven't heard for a while, you get the classic Prince scream and funky bass solo. And then, you know, if you weren't sure after the first track or two, then you're 100% sure it's Prince album. It's just good stuff. And when that bass solo comes in, the percussion, first time I'll mention a co-producer of this album, the percussion works really well. The syncopation with that bass solo sounds really good. And there's these funky synth stabs too, which I'm sure are from some other track, and I'm sure someone has figured out which track that is. It's got a weird outro. I don't know what that's about. I, that's, I could just cut that off. That's, that's just not great. But there is not really much to this track. But I like it. It's the best song on the album so far. But yeah, there's, again, there's some things that are just not nice. Who even if you take blood clot as the literal meaning, that, no one wants to hear that in a song. That's not a good thing. Uh, anyway, that's all. Okay. Um, Toejam, what are your thoughts on this? Um, this is actually one of the strongest songs on the album. I agree with Captain on that, in that sense. The problem with this song is where it's placed on the album for two main reasons. It's way too similar to track two. It's superior to track two, but it's way too similar in that it's got this industrial mid-tempo dark funk sound and it's about how good he is. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not about to stop. Third track's traditionally a um, the the ballad spot. Ballad, yeah. Slow it down, and it's uh, a shame. Shut it down and then slow it down, but no. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> a shame because, like I said, I think this is one of the stronger tracks on the album, but it's kind of ruined with where it's placed because by the time you get to this song, you're like, oh, okay, another I'm the best song in a, in an industrial sort of sound. I agree completely, Toe Jam. The sequencing is all screwed up, isn't it? That's why we need yeah, to go and listen to Rob annoying. S's version. <laughs> 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 uh, okay, but looking at the song itself, I kind of slept on this one for the first few days on this, but I do now think it's probably the third or fourth best track on the album. Yeah. It's like Incense and Candles on Steroids. 
there's just really cool stuff going on throughout the song, musically speaking. The lyrics, I don't care for one second. There's, it's just, some of the lyrics are just beyond silly. There's this deep pitched fixed vocal that ain't about to stop. And that's really a theme of the album. Pretty, almost every song has this, you know, yeah, has the chorus pitched, yeah, pitched fixed down an octave or something. And it sort of runs all the way through the album. So I like that kind of thing where he has these theme sounds. It's very heavy. It's very heavy. Uh, and again, it is kind of grating as well. But again, it's probably got my favorite musical moment of the album. Not, not the best song, obviously, but the mu- best musical moment of the album is that funk bit at 238. Yeah. yeah. Prior to that, it's got that guitar solo, like a dueling guitar with Donna and I'm assuming Donna and Prince played it opposite each other. And it's that plus the third eye girl doing the lyrics, uh, doing some of the chorus songs. That makes me think that this may actually be a Third Eye Girl song that has been remixed by Josh, because there's a bit of Third Eye Girl in there. Uh, anyway, back to the 238 section. Starts with a big hour, as Captain was saying, and the funk is just going overload at that point. Uh, and that when that Minneapolis keys come in, that's a great Prince moment, I think. Yeah. And there's like some go-go bell, cowbell thing that's just hitting it right on the right spot. So if Josh has something to do with that, that's, you know, kudos to him, that's, that's a great section. But I suspect that's more Prince's input, that section. In the pre-chorus parts, the, you know, I come from North Mini part, there's a really cool sort of wobbling ascending bass part going and it's getting a bit higher each time that's really cool to listen to in the headphones yeah you know i i didn't notice that like the first bunch of times i listened to it and then only like a few days ago with the headphones on i'm like oh listen to that i never even noticed it before it's cool yeah so this is definitely one of the songs that i would encourage people to go back and listen to especially a lot of like i know a lot of people aren't that impressed with this album overall and so this is one that i would encourage those people to to go back and have another listen because i think this is pretty good song overall the weird outro reminds me a lot of what's the song on emancipation again that has i think it's um joint to joint ends with something similar so it just sort of changes completely and it's this weird soft outro i think the outro is necessary though because going from tracks one two three straight into track four which is not as industrial as this one but again it's that sort of similar mid-tempo industrial sort of sound i think you do need a little bit of a break in between it so i can see why the segue the instrumental outro part is there but yeah this is a good song i think overall ruined by where it's placed on the album couldn't agree with you more and with that player what are your thoughts on ain't about to stop ain't about to stop this is a real strange and bizarre track for me. There's a lot of elements thrown in here, some world music elements, that sort of um, not flute or oboe kind of Indian motif that runs through it. It's got industrial dance, Minneapolis sound funk towards the end. It's all mixed in there. I really like Prince and I really like Rita Ora, but like with most of the guest stars, their vocals are kind of mixed lower than Prince's and get a little lost in places. The blood clot vocal part sounds like it's been sung by Chucky from Child's Play or something. It's pretty terrifying, that moment in the track. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, gu- <laughs> the guitar oh, solo. I have nightmares about that now. <laughs> yeah. It's actually really funny because it's like the most one of the most annoying parts on the album, that blood clot part, and it's mm. directly followed by one of the funkiest parts. So it's like, <laughs> that's oh, right. you got the best and worst in one track. <laughs> yeah. Um, the guitar solo from Donna is really nice. I like that part. The change at 2 minutes 38 is where it kicks off, though, and gets really interesting for me. The high-pitched kind of cowbell sound into playing with the bass is really fantastic. The Minneapolis-style synth stabs are great. It's like the coda of Baby on My Star or the end part of the song Around the World in a Day. That part is the funk and soul of the song, and it just just like the previous song, yes, there's a lot going on, but overall it's lacking the soul to me, and it comes across as 
kind of digital noise. It's a bit grating on my ears, like what Toegem said. I don't know if it's my age or what, but again, it's in the last 40 seconds or so of that song that I like out of the, the whole thing. Come on, play it. The snare. It's just a grating digital noise. Is that your conclusion for the whole album? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Like, just like the first part of this song, like, you know, the blood clot part and all that sort of stuff. But then when at 2 minutes 38, when... You know, it changes up and sort of becomes more interesting to listen to. Come on, player. At 25, you should still be able to hear everyone <laughs> fairly clearly, I think. <laughs> G- give us all a break. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> See, that funky little synth things at the end, I don't think anyone has 100% identified where it's from. It might not even be from a studio track. It might be from something like live, and it's just something that he just jams sometime. But it's it seems like such a familiar thing. But I don't think anyone's pinpointed exactly, you know, confirmed it's from a certain track. Yeah, it's just one of those motifs that he puts in that yeah. that's distinct to him, but not sort of... That you can pinpoint sort of. When thing. I first heard it, you know, it reminded me of something of um, Condensate by the original Seven. I'm like, is it on that album? And I didn't go and listen to it, but it could be something off that. It's just such a common, you know, Minneapolis funky synth thing to do. Who knows? Yeah, who knows where that's from? I will say that this this is where the album starts for me. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah, it is a good one. It's a good track, but a lot of the music on here is let down by the compression and the everything's pushed to the limit and the dynamic range is is virtually not it's just not there it's just all the life of this of any i guess there's no room to breathe in any of this stuff especially when you're listening to on on headphones but even if you're listening to it in your car stereo or on your on your hi-fi system at home or wherever really this is really poor and this doesn't go my comments aren't only about hit and run. They're about most modern albums these days, and we all know about that, so there's no point going on a rant about it. But this one is no different. It's poorly mastered. Everything's in the red, and it makes it grating. And then you add some of the production elements that Josh has worked on. Some of them are very interesting. Some of them quite creative. The ones on this song, the elements that he's using, are, in my opinion, kind of cool, and they make the song interesting to listen to. But then... It's just so jarring on the ears. Everything you can you can hear on. The, there's a part in the song where it, it's it's I guess just before, during, and just after the. I don't know what you call it. If you're not what is it? If you're not a reader, what is it? Does anyone know what the lyrics are? If you're not a reader, but you're you're a doorstop or something. I don't know what it is. But <laughs> it sounds to me like if you're not a but, you're a butt plug. Okay. <laughs> no. I mean, that's what I used to think about. Uh, block, yeah. That whole section is a little idiotic to me, and it sounds it sounds jarring. I agree with you guys, but the rest of the song is really cool. Donna's guitar playing is cool. The Indian motif the player mentioned is cool. The lyricism is cool. The line about we in, the line that player opened the show with. We've still got a little little bit of grit underneath these hundred dollar nails. Is is an awesome line, and I love the rawness of Rita's vocals. So there's a lot to love about this song, and. It's it's not it's not bad. Let me put it that way. I like this song, but the blood clot thing it sort of ruins it. It ruins it, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it does. I mean look it up on the Urban Dictionary, there's a few different meanings of what it can mean. Whether Prince knows what they mean, knows that it meant that, and he still put it in, and we can just class that as more of this, you know, I'm down with the kids using these cool words. Innuendo. It's, in, it's Prince Innuendo. Yeah. yeah. If it is blood plot, I, I just assume it meant like, you know, if you're not with us, you're against us again kind of thing. 
you're just a blood clot. You're you're letting us through. I never even thought of that. There you go. I look it up on Urban Dictionary. Yeah, it's some like Jamaican slang, Interesting. which Rita Ora, I'm sure, would have let him know about. But yeah, it's there's nothing I want to hear in a song. <laughs> so, what did the people say? Yeah, what did the people say, player? Twenty five point two seven percent love it, and thirty one point three nine percent like it. So wow. that gives a total of fifty six point six six. It makes it a total ranking of six out of eleven. Interesting. Ooh. So six highest song on the album. Does that mean that the song before that was rated higher than this one? Yes. Strangely, that's what it, exactly what it means. So sh- shut this down. Combined total was fifty eight point three five, and this is fifty six point six six. There's not a lot in it, but it's very similar. So fifth and six, pretty close. Yeah, and with that, we move on to the fourth song on the album: more guest stars and more fancy schmancy electronic production. The song is called "Like a Mac." Everything or nothing if you want a lot of what's cooking. She's looking, 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 looking like a Mac. And I've got to hand this over to the player. <laughs> so, just because just of the song title. Like a Mac and player go well together. <laughs> so like a Mac. Player, give us the 411. <laughs> <laughs> okay. i got to be honest with you. When I first saw this title, along with the rest of the track listing before the album came out, and it was consisting of leftovers and vault tracks and remixes and everything. I thought straight away this might have been an unreleased Tony M track for sure. Oh, how good would that have been? Yeah, but no. It's not like a Big Mac, it's like a Mac. <laughs> <laughs> this is a kind of cool track featuring Curly Fry Girls. Who's Big Mac and talent. Curly Fries, it makes perfect sense. Anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the vocal tone sounds a lot like Rihanna. And even though Prince's vocal contribution is minimal and it's Prince rap by the numbers, the girl's flow on this is really good. It's one of the better raps he's had on record, in my opinion. Not by Prince, but by Curly Fries. The music's a little bit more pleasing to my ears than the previous two tracks. But that horn motif in the middle of the song sounds really weak. It's like Casio keyboard kind of thin. Needs more balls behind it, like a Barry Sax, more trombone, maybe even a sousaphone underneath it to balance out that top end of like really high-pitched, you know, just to give it some more grunt to it. I, I like this track, but the horns are the weak spot for me. All right, all right. Captain? This is another great track, even better than the last one. It's very good. And I've already seen... They were. When this first came out, people are like, this is the worst song. It's the crappest song on the album. So it's no surprise that I really like it. And there's some serious bass in this track. And, well, on a lot of a lot of tracks, but you really notice it on this one. Uh, it's got a nice first verse. It's memorable. Sticks in my head. you got this funky little guitar in the chorus, which sounds very, very similar to Beginning Endlessly. Whether it's a sample or it's just very similar, I don't know. Now, these girls. There's two girls, this Curly Fries, isn't it? Yes. I really like their voices. Yeah. I really does, like what they do. me too, Captain. Eh, there's something there. I mean, I haven't, I haven't even seen them. I don't even know. But I'm guessing yeah. they look good. Yeah. And they sound good. Um, I like these girls. I need to find them. Uh, 134. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, cre- nothing creepy about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I need I to find a picture find and see what they look like. <laughs> you won't be disappointed. You, Yeah, you're not disappointed by the rap. You won't be disappointed by the, oh, by the JPEG. Okay, 134. We have... The NPG horns. We've already had the horn head, so now it's NPG horns turn. They sound pretty good. 
And I like most of Prince's rap, his flow, except for the line where he says, everybody dance when I say. It just sounds really corny and lame. Because it is corny and lame. But it doesn't really fit the rest of the flow of the rest of it. It's just sounds weird. The song's like a Mac, and then he comes in and ruins it with his, like, (laughs) play school rhymes. (laughs) And then we come to the Club Full of Thoughts lyric. Now, I'm guessing everyone knows what that means. Yeah. And I'd never heard it before. I looked it up, and I was even more surprised when I found out what it meant that Prince would use it, because I'm sure he knows what it means, too. He might have had different words for it, you know, back in the day, but it's still, it's still, he knows what it means. So we have more of this, you know, implied swearing. Just because it's an an acronym doesn't mean it's still okay to say those things. Like, he's not going to say F-U, because again, we know exactly what it means. Anyway, that's enough of that. The guy shouting, hey, at the end of, like, various lines, I don't mind that. That seems to fit in there somehow. And we've got a nice horn solo at 3.15, and then it sort of ends, and then it comes back again for some more horn, some horn stuff. And I do like this song. This Again, this is, so far, this is my favorite song in the album. They just keep coming. Wow. The hits just keep on coming as That's far it. as Captain's concerned. Toe Jam, are you feeling this? The first time I heard this album, when I listened to it, this is my favourite song. Pretty much from the second time onwards, it's dropped dramatically. I'm with player on this. The horns suck on this song. There's no energy in them. It's energyless horns. The horn line's kind of boring. And there's like this, it's just lacking something. And when that solo comes in at the end, to me, that's a real downer moment in the song. Like, I reckon the horn should have been like faster and, and maybe in a different, like a bit more major. It's just a sort of whining. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it's like the, it's kind of like, oh, do we really have to be here? That's the impression when when they come on. It's like, oh, do we have to be here? It's got yeah, the tone about exactly. it. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, like oh, we have to show up and play this part. Yeah. Do you think the, the sound of that is down to that's just what Prince told them to play, and then he uh, was happy with that, or do you think that's nice. down to? Yeah. Whoever, know. you know, Who arranged it and goes, oh, this is great. Who knows? I just find that solo at the end a real boring moment. It's just kind of, oh, okay. I, I, it could, like a horn solo is, is, you know, a horn player, I love hearing horn solos, but I, I don't want to diss the player, but it's like, it just needs to move more. More energy. Something. It's just Wake kind up. of down a yeah. bit. Yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. More energy. Okay, so so the whole song's got this real subby bass, and there's some there's some interesting things going on. There's this cool little kind of running through it, which is good. It's got a very emancipation-y kind of synth hook thing, and you know I like the fact it's kind of this story about you know going to the club and there's these girls looking for guys and all the guys are dorks and everything. Because that's a song he's never done before. Oh, I'm going to the club. <laughs> it is kind of a. The prince, he's the best again kind of thing. But I guess from this one, it's more from the girl's perspective that, you know, she's the best. Or they're the best, I guess. So I like the fact it's got the story to it. I just don't get anything from this song, really. I find that the part that goes, looking, 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 looking. First time, it's all right. Every other time, it's just it's just annoying. Oh, I like it. It happens too many times in the song. I sing it all the time. No, I like it. I think it's awesome. I think if it just did it once, and it might, maybe the first time it stays, and the second time it drops down the pitch, but every time it's the same thing dropping down the pitch, and I just find it annoying. I'm actually, I agree with Captain. I like the, the haze and the whoa, like this sort of sampled haze and woes going through it. It reminds me of like playing like, uh, you know, Dungeons, not Dungeons, uh, what was it, like Streets of Rage and <laughs> uh, that, that, those kind of old Mega Drive games where they always had this like, 
those kind of 1992 screams going on in the background. <laughs> uh, double Dragon. Double Dragon, that's the one I was thinking of, yeah. Take like, it back. That's what it brings back to me. I agree that the girls sound pretty cool. It's an interesting rap. Ooh. Very different for a Prince kind of rap, which is good. Huh? Yeah, it's very skippable, this song. What? Having said no. that, I, it's, not, it's not completely terrible, but... There's just bits in it that annoy me. Wow. The hay parts, the, those hay parts are the same sort of songs you hear in like the modern day songs like um, Iggy Azalea's Fancy and Jadena's Classic Man. Is it the same guy? Oh. Is it the same hay? <laughs> he's employed. His whole job is just to come up with those a cappella chants, yeah. He's the, he's the hay guy. He's the hay guy, yeah. Not hay now. Hay guy. Anyway, it's the same sort of implementation in those songs into this song. You know, just using sort of modern day sounds and, yeah. Well, I think that just leaves me. You guys have said virtually everything there is to say about this song, other than my little sequencing note, which is not going to talk about my sequencing, but instead talk about just the sequencing as it is on this album. I think this song works really, really well after the song that came before it. So, Ain't About to Stop into Like a Mac, I think is a perfect transition. I think they both work really, really well. And I think the commonality between those two songs and why they work so well together is twofold. One, both of them have got female vocals that are really, really good. And two, the sounds are both pseudo-modern industrial R&B beat-heavy driven music. So they work really well together for those reasons. And um, yeah, there's nothing really more I can add Curly fries sound awesome. Yeah. I like the little, the, the part that Toe Jam didn't like where where there's that descending line that goes kind of like looking, 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 like a Mac. I love that. And then one of the, I think one of the girls uh, screams out with a, with an owl or something. And that, that really like propels the song. But then, yeah, I agree with all, with everyone who said the sax brings it down a notch instead of propelling the song forward. It just kind of, it creates a somber it's a, it's really really strange. It's like yeah, he's trying it comes to, out of he's left trying field. to bring you down for the next song. That's <laughs> the whole point of it. Maybe it could be actually because it, it does segue relatively well into what into the next from next such track. high energy song going into this you know ballad remix thing. Mm. You need something to get down there. You can't just yeah. drop straight down. But like no, you can't. But you can't create a song anticipating the next one. It has to stand on its own. Mm. So you can't like. But that's you know, the magic of an album. Yeah, but yeah, it, this is this is definitely an album cut. Like it's not a single. You couldn't release this as a single. It just wouldn't work. You think? Mm. I reckon it could, but it needs. I think it could release this, but maybe not with that horn solo. Horn sex? No, you can't. Well, that's what I mean. Like the horn brings it down in a in a weird way. Just bring back the girls again for another rap. Yeah, and a video clip. Yes. <laughs> or or kick up the tempo in the horns. Yeah. You know, it needs like that. It's going to be a beautiful night kind of horn section at the end. Ooh. It needs the peach and black treatment. That's what it needs. You know, like where it. You know, dun 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 dun. You know, like something like that really sort of kicks it up, like a vamp, like a, like a, like yeah, a high vamp, energy, yeah, vamping, like yeah. a frenetic vamp. Not this, the dun, end. Dun, yeah. You know, just drags it down. So no one's saying no one's saying anything about the thoughts. Uh, yeah. oh, I couldn't care either way. About that. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, it's been years since I've been. You know, no one's mentioned lyrics club, at all, so. pretty much so far in this album. That's my, it's my thing. Now everyone's doing it. Well, so far, it's pretty much the whole lyrics have just been, I'm the best. I'm great. Listen to me. I'm great. Don't say anything negative. Otherwise, I'll turn my speakers up. <laughs> my billion dollar speakers. <laughs> so w- where did this score, player? What do we the people say? 
uh, the ranking out of 11th, it comes 7th, 711. Um, so 26.19% love it and 26.80 like it gives a combined total of 52.99. So like I said, that comes 7th. So yeah, the last three tracks, 5th, 6th, and 7th. There you go. Interesting. So thousands of fans have voted. Hundreds of thousands. 800,000 voted. The people have spoken. <laughs> the people have definitely spoken. And isn't it interesting that so far the opening songs to this album are rated, I guess, moderately? Would that be a fair assessment? It's not It's not as if the first three or four songs are the three or four best love songs based on the fan vote. They're kind of somewhere in the middle. But yet whoever put this album together in, in the in the, I guess, the sequence that they put it together. I know what you're trying to say, MC. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Let's all be honest. This is not a strong opening to an album. The first exactly. Three or four song. Yep, I agree with that. Which is very unusual for Prince. Normally, well, bang, bang, bang. Mm, boom, boom. All right, track number five. This could be us, the remix. This, 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 this could be This could be us, the remix. I, for one, like this remix. I think it beats the original. I think the guitar and the bass breakdown towards the end are really working and turn the song into straight fire from that point onwards. It's really good. It's really a really well done remix. And if this remix version was on Artificial Age, I think it would go really, really well with You Know because the production elements are similar. And... um yeah, I can't complain. I mean, we spoke a lot about this song when we when we reviewed the initial official released version on that album. So uh, I'll just say that I really like it. And with that, I will hand it over to Captain. Okay, this is another old track. This was on Artificial Age just about a year ago, and this remix was released as a single. This was the third single from this album, released two weeks before the album launch. I didn't compare this directly to the original when I reviewed it, so I'm just talking about this remix as it is. Uh, I probably said this in an Artificial Age review. I really like the Funky Dollar Bill line. It's still there, 124. But yeah, the vocals absolutely save this track. I mean, the, the beats by Josh, they fit the track pretty well, but just by themselves, you know, without anything else, it'd just be hopeless. I mean, the, the second half of this song... From pretty much from 210 to 410, it's just instrumental. It's a guitar solo, it's really cool at 214. And that little tinkly keyboard, which I'm, I'm guessing is not on the original. It's so simple, but it sticks in your head so well. And you've got these funky little guitar bits around 309. And I haven't listened to the original since we reviewed that album, so I, I, I didn't compare it and I didn't go back and listen to it. But I, I think this is like a, a filler track. I mean, this should have been a B-side. It should have been just another, like, internet, you know, put it on title. It's the purple pick of the week. This didn't need to take up an album, a, a space on this album. All right. Wow. But, but it is a good remix, like like you said. It's um, But, uh, yeah, I don't think it should have been on the album. Okay. Let's see uh, what the other guys are feeling about this one. Player, what are your thoughts on this? I'm kind of both with you and captain on this i'm very mixed about this track i'll tick yes to this as a remix track if it was a b-side to the single from artificial age from last year 
To give it an album track slot on this album, though, is a bit of a misstep in my opinion. Having said that, I'm probably one of the ones in the minority, though, that actually favoured this version over the original. I thought the original was charming and nice, but it was a bit too... It was a bit too pussy for my liking. By the numbers. Yeah. This, however, gives it an edge with the nice guitar solo, and it's like a sonic journey when you're listening to this. Having said that, I can see the point of others of it being a charming quasi-ballad song digitized and stripping it of those charming qualities. I can totally see that point of view, but I would replace my artificial age version with this personally. It's not my favorite track by any means, but I can definitely tolerate it. And I think it's better than the original personally. Hmm. You and me both. Yeah. Have the same thoughts on this one. Toe Jam, round this out for us. Well, uh, the original version was, I don't want to say it's a weak track because it wasn't a weak track, but it was one of the weaker songs on the very good album, Artificial Age. And I don't think this surpasses it. I, to me, it's just another remix that takes a major key song and puts it into the relative minor. And that's been done a million times and Prince has done it a million times. And the first time I heard it, I liked the rop, 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 the way it starts. <laughs> but after that, it's just, I find it kind of predictable. It's just, it's the vocals in a, and the bass is in a minor key. And it's got a guitar solo, but I mean, even the guitar solo I don't find particularly striking. Um, really? There's some nice, yeah. Okay. I, I, I just feel I've heard Prince do that kind of thing a million times. Like, yeah, I'm thinking of the, the most beautiful girl in the world remix. Uh, rock and roll love affair remix. Yeah, but, like, I mean, but he's doing it over Joshua Walton's production. Oh well, it's the best thing in the world then. <laughs> Jeez, tumbleweed. <laughs> I'm turning my speakers up. I don't want to hear that, though, Jim. <laughs> Let him disinvade. There's some nice bass bits in there. I've written here. It's a flow stopper in terms of we're putting a remix of an. It's a blood clot. <laughs> <laughs> it is. This is blood clot. That's great. We're putting it. And I've said it's a flow stopper on the album in that I almost always skip it. Literally, it's a blood clot. And the, the sad thing is, like, you know, this is now, like, what, track five? Yep. And I'm saying this kills the flow of the album, and already, just listening to my reviews, they haven't been overly positive so far, so... Is, is, are your thoughts the same about it killing the flow of the album on my resequenced version? Just, uh, just out of interest, purely out of interest. No, I think you played it... I, I can't remember where you put it, but I remember thinking that is a better place for it. All right. <laughs> but I don't think the song... That doesn't make the song any better, though. I just find this very skippable. I find it very generic remix, and I will leave it there. I don't find it skippable, but it's one of those songs that just... It comes and goes. This could be... This, this, this could be us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the... Uh, remember the old Discmans when it used to skip? Skip. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, where did this fall in the fan vote and how does it rate on the album? Okay, the love box only got ticked by 18.22%. Say what? And like was 27.72. That gives you a combined total of 48.94%, which ranks it 9 out of 11. So only just above the Million Dollar Show track. I'm sort of getting a bit ahead of myself here with the results, but one thing that really sticks out in the whole survey was fans do not like remixes showing up as album tracks mm. or repackaged or re-bundled um, or reimagined or however you want to put it. They don't like it, and um, they've really voted with their feet with stuff like this, particularly this track. This could be sus. This could be sus. Possibly. It could be, yes. <laughs> Is this the first time that there's been a remix of a previously released track put on an album. Um, 
No, I, I had think... in my head there was one other, but I yeah, couldn't I think, think of what it was. I'm thinking, I'm thinking the dance, thirty-one, oh, twenty-one, the dance, but it's, yeah. it's yeah. probably not the best example. And even funk and roll, funk and roll as well. Mm. Yeah, that was the worst song that album. <laughs> yeah, by a clear margin. I, I, we're going to get to this when we get to the end of the you know final thoughts. But I think a lot of this album is about perspective. And absolutely, absolutely. I was going to say the same thing. If you're looking at this as a Prince album, Prince album, yep. It's not. You'll be great. disappointed. Yep. You will be, yeah. If you're looking yep. at it as, consider this a bonus disc to Artificial Age, an Artificial Age B sides and remixes. And a collaboration. And a collaboration project, right? Yeah, and I think from that perspective, it fares better. But I guess I'll save that. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say in my closing notes, if this was labelled like an MPG album, people wouldn't be so hung up on it. You know, like you take the like New Power Soul for example. To me, it sounds more like a Prince solo album than any contribution from the MPG. Whereas this is more like guest stars, guest producers, all that sort of stuff. It's more like a you could label it as MPG. And if it was MPG presents the Artificial Age remix album, people wouldn't be as hung up of of this album than if it was you know an actual official Prince release, which is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I said in in the intro. I was like, how do I review this album? You know, you can look at it this way, you can look at it that way, or like somewhere in the middle. And yeah, it's tricky. It is. It's all the perspective. Well, the other thing is, when speaking of perspective, the next song to discuss, which is track number six, "Fall in Love Tonight." is a song that we've already discussed, is a song that has been out for probably a year and a half prior to it being released. It's been 18 months, yeah. Yeah, prior to it being released on this project. Hey, did we actually review this, though? I don't think we did. No. I think we we mentioned it, like, in a news episode, but I don't think we reviewed it. I don't think we reviewed it, but we... We talked about it. it. We've never done, like, a roundtable. No, we haven't. We haven't. So now is the time. This was a song that was released... A little while ago. 18 months ago. How long? 18 months ago. 18. Okay. Wow. So back in 2014. And we, we've never reviewed this song, which is what we're about to do now, but we have spoken about it before. And the obvious difference with this track is that really Prince's vocal is in this version, as opposed to the uh, Zoe Deschanel, if that's how you pronounce her surname, uh, vocal in the original version that was, uh, I think, released on, what's that show? New Girl. Uh, New Girl. New Girl, that's right. So this is the officially released Prince version on Hit and Run Phase 1, Take It Away, Leia. Okay, I have a confession about this song too. Never liked it. (laughs) It sounds like a 20-year-old dated dance tune that you would hear in Club Tropper, one of those RSL club nightclubs that pump pure Euro trash dance tracks. This song reminds me of the, you know that One Hit Wonder song by No Mercy called Where Do You Go? Especially yes. that dun-dun-dun keyboard motif. At least that's got an attempt at flamenco guitar or Spanish guitar. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. But again, like I was saying to you guys offline about, you know, it's the same motif that's used in controversy, but just used with like a steel drum, marimba. Anyway, like the last track, I can't see how people would see this track as... I, I can see how people would see this track as charming, but again, it's too pussified for my liking. <laughs> I mean, whatever happened to Camille? This is the most un-Camille Camille track. For the positive, though, there's some real nice orchestration in the track, but it's mixed way down low. You can barely hear it in the track. It's Camille on um, Valium, I reckon. That's what it is. Okay. Camille's been neutered. Mm. 
<laughs> no, no, no. This is Camille at fifty-eight years old. That's what it is. <laughs> he's getting, he's getting old. I usually skip this track. If anything, on this album that needs a banging remix, it's this one. But even then, I, it couldn't save the cheesy lyrics. Not really a fan of this song yeah, at all. Hmm. Well, I think this song already kind of sounds like a remix to me. In in a way, like it, I don't know. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I remember. I remember when this first came out, people were saying, "Is this a remix?" And I'm like, it, "You've never even heard the song before. Why are people thinking it's some sort of remix?" <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Why? Why I think that as well. This is the first song that was actually credited to Josh as the producer. It just came out as a single, and I oh, remember the time right. we were talking about it and saying, yes. "Wow." This is the first song that's ever been... I was losing my brain because it was produced by yeah, Josh Walton so or something. There you go. First one. There you go. I you don't know. should have known all the way back then. <laughs> I'm not sure why it feels a little bit like a remix to me. Maybe it's the thing that Player mentioned earlier about it's reminiscent of early to mid-90s dance club house music to a degree. And uh, yeah, I don't mind it. I've got a love and hate relationship with this track because there's some really cool elements in there. The strings are really well done. I think they're very effective in this song. And they, I don't want to bring up the name, but I will. This sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Claire Fisher, right? It's not a Claire Fisher arrangement, but I almost feel like it's been a while since we've heard strings. And the minute I heard them, especially about three quarters of the way through the track, it's not quite a breakdown, but a lot of the instrumentation kind of drops off. And then you've just got these, the the strings come back in and- and they play some really simple parts, but they're really, really effective. I think you guys know what I'm talking about. It seems like he had a bit of a break from strings after mm-hmm. after Claire left us. Passed, and, passed and, on, yeah. And then, um, yeah, it seems like he had a bit of a break until he, you know, and then he might have started slowly looking for someone who could make a similar sound. Mm. And these, is it, I keep forgetting their name. String Genius. I think it's String Genius. String, I keep thinking N-Genius, which is a stupid brand of phone. Hmm. String Genius. So, yeah, if it is indeed String Genius, they, they do a nice job. The strings are really effective. I like the melodic nature of his vocal. It's kind of playful, but again, to player's point, it's really light. Like it's, there's no edge to it. It's almost like too cute for its own good kind of thing. But um, speaking of string arrangements, there's some nice horn arrangements throw in all throughout the track. And probably my favorite horn part is the last three or four seconds of the song. Yeah. It's that... That's a tight line. Yeah, ascending bit. Bit of double-tonguing needed for that one, so... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I like those things, and some of the lyrics, I think, what's the lyric? Uh, the moon dared to dance her out of her shoes or something like that. So, there's some really interesting lyricism, and I like Prince when he has his tongue firmly in his cheek, or when he's being somewhat creative with his lyricism, as opposed to Try Hard, which is what the first few tracks attest to. So, yeah, this is kind of poppy and, and light and feel good. And uh, what more can I say? Toe Jam. I actually think this is a really good pop song. I think it's one of the closest songs of Prince's that I would say, this is like just straight disco. Whenever whenever I hear it, I, I have that image of that like 70s club with a disco ball and like Saturday Night Fever, that kind of image. Yeah, um, it is disco, yeah. It sounds like an old disco song that's been like remixed for modern ears kind of thing. So I think as a, as a pop song, like it's pretty well perfect in that you know it's this classic pop song structure with a classic hook that's very memorable sticks idle earworm as they call finally it finally some sense and to me it, it sounds it has, sounds very similar sonically to the Jamiroquai album the funk odyssey uh with like little l and love philosophy it has that sort of same sort of sound 
again with the strings and the sort of dancey disco sort of thing sort of slightly techno and there's there's not much bass in this song a lot of this album there's a lot of if you listen carefully you can hear prince slapping away on the bass in the background there's i, I don't hear much of that in this one most of the bass in this is pretty well just primarily an organ bass um so it's a bit different i like the horns and the flutes so you've got the, the horns playing something and then the little flutes doing a little answer kind of thing and i think the chorus is just a really classic pop song chorus like you know don't 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 you wanna don't you wanna and then together do you know fall in love tonight like it's such a classic well contrived generic chorus that said i don't really like listen to this song i i can appreciate it it's kind of like you know you hear those pop songs around you think yeah that's a really well crafted constructed pop song but it's not the kind of thing i go out of my way to listen to so i would really like to know whether this was actually written specifically for the tv show because i think the whole theme of the song fits perfectly with what's happening in the story of the tv show so it wouldn't surprise me if the song was actually written for that purpose i'm not at all saying this is a great song i'm just saying as a pop song it's really well constructed and it you know ticks all the boxes in terms of what you want in a in a three minute pop song i wouldn't just um, yeah i wouldn't disagree with you about that but don't you think that the key sorry to cut in oh yeah the key some of the sense uh some of the synths are a bit so cheesy right they are a bit cheesy yeah a bit tinkly and what would a player say? Pussified. <laughs> Don't you think that without those stabby, like, dun, 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 that the song, if you just remove that element of it, it would be so much stronger? That is that is true. Yeah, that, that is a bit annoying, that sound. Uh, what else did I have? I did have one more thing I was going to say. Ah, the other thing that kills this song on this album is that this song is a year and a half old and it follows a track that yeah. was already a year old, and this middle section of the album is really easy to skip through because of that. It's like these are songs we've known for a year or more. And so I was actually a bit disappointed when I heard that this was on the album. I was like, oh, no. But then I, I thought, well, maybe it's a different version. Maybe it's the, a new remix or something. And it, it's like, you know, okay, so it's got Prince's vocals, but more or less it's the same, exactly the same. Uh, and I was a bit disappointed because it's like, ah, oh, you know, there's two chunky songs right in the middle of the album that I just pretty well skipped through because I've already heard them a million times. So it's a bit disappointing in, in that sense as an album song. Okay. Captain, round out our thoughts by giving your thoughts on Fall in Love Tonight. It's good I'm going last. I remember when Sexy MF came out and it was like more than like three months before the Symbol album came out. And at that time we didn't know what was happening. It was just a single. And that wait seemed like forever. And then this track is released as a single 18 months and then we wait until it turns up on an album. This was the first single from this album, really, even though this album might not even have existed back then. Anyway. It even came out before the last album. It did, it did. It came out before the last two albums. Because Artificial Age <laughs> really came out, yeah, that's right, came out 12 months ago. So that's, is it, that's probably the first time that's ever happened. A single has been released, and then two other albums have come out before the album that that single was off. That can't have happened before. Maybe, uh, yeah, it probably hasn't happened, but the closest I can think Most is... Most beautiful the girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the world. yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe. Anyway, I will say I miss Zoe's vocal on this version. Really? I really like this. I really like the sound of her voice. I think there's a reason for it, though. You know how, like, when it came out as a single, it was on Sony Epic Records, and, like, for Prince to own the master, it has to sound a bit different? So he just strips the vocal and it's enough to qualify as a Maybe. you know as an alternative version. Because as far as I know, Sony Epic owned the rights to that version with her vocal on it. And I think that's why he didn't use it in this version. Yeah, she's probably signed to them. I, I don't think she's signed, but I just think that actual song is... That version of the song is signed uh, to them. 
But yeah, I miss her voice. I, I burn a CD with all these tracks, but I put the one with Zoe's vocal on there. Because I, I like it. The sound of her voice is nice. And his voice sounds great on this song. But Toe Jam already said, this is a great pop track. It's just over three minutes. And again, it ticks all the boxes that make a very good pop song. And it's got the number one thing that any hit song needs, and that is repetition. Repetition, joy in repetition. It's just so much of it, and it's a good thing. And we've got the horn heads back again, sounding amazing. I don't think there's anything I don't like about the song on this album, except that Zoe's not on it. The beat is solid, the the little synth stabs, there's flutes and the horns, it all works well, very together. The bass is pretty funky, just sits in the background there, it's not right up there but it's 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 there <laughs> and the best thing this song ends with this massive explosion like and it's it's not the first time you're going to hear an explosion on this album but this song is up there possibly my favorite track on this album and that's probably not a huge surprise to some people i'm not surprised that it's your favorite like there's no <laughs> way it's, it's my favorite but it's not even close but I can definitely see that it would be your favourite. But any, yeah, anyone who knows my love for pop songs and especially 80s and really cheesy stuff, oh, it's it's the best song ever. But I've seen some of those like Japanese pop songs that you send me. Like most of them are better than this. Like <laughs> this, like I'm saying, it, this ticks all the boxes, but it's almost too much that it, it's it's almost too generic. That's what I don't like about it. In fact, I won't yeah. say it. I'd say it is. It's very very generic. Like. It ticks all the boxes, and yes, it's a well-constructed pop song, but it's 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 so generic. So That's all right. it all it would need to be improved in in your eyes is just a bit more of a, a, a Prince twist, just a bit more quirk. Well, a twist of some sort, a twist of some yeah. sort. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, this song is up there. It's either first or second favorite track on this album. That's it. Uh, I don't know what's more quirky: your discussion of or our review of this song, or or your and Toe Jam's. The legal swapping of pop hey. music while 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 we're not recording. <laughs> hey, it's on YouTube. There's nothing illegal about it. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. All right, so with that, we we come to the end of our fall in love tonight review. Yeah, so Captain Captain, you got some more of those Japanese uh, pop songs, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> Korean, Korean, Korean ones are even better. Some of those more, some more of those Japanese videos. That'd be good. Send me some more of those Japanese yeah, videos. Right, those. Pop song videos. <laughs> Fan vote. The vote. What did the people think about Fall in Love Tonight? Uh, the highest that it got was the like button was 32.47. The love button got 19.30% ticked. So that gives a combined total of 51.77, which ranks at eight. So one above the um, previous track. This could be us remix. Oh, wow. So eighth out of 11 ranking that's pretty that's pretty sad uh, i don't know that i disagree with that it's it's probably pretty accurate but what what is probably more interesting to me than the fan vote is the fact that this sugary sugar-coated pop song is followed by track number seven x's face x's face so let's talk about that <laughs> Not just not just the song, but to me, going from that "Fall in Love Tonight" to "X's Face" is the most. It's like a one eighty degree turn. It's like almost jarring going from from sweet sounds to like American player. 
That's why you need these <laughs> massive explosions to join it all together. <laughs> Possibly. W- what's a better segue than just some random explosions? Possibly. So let's uh, start talking about X's face. Track number seven. We reviewed this song and talked about it in some detail a little while ago when it first came out online. And now it's on the album. So here are our views. Player? Uh, it's an interesting listen. The monkey and the banana skit within the song is amusing. But I find that there's a common thread woven into all of his free net releases. And essentially at the core of it, they're just all grooves and jams. None of them have a memorable hook or catchy melody. And you know, maybe that's why they're free releases. Like in that regard, it's an interesting insight into his work process. You know, like, you know, he might make a song and chuck it out there for free. But you know, once I hear him a couple of times, I'm done with them. And I've got to say, that's what I feel with this song. If I haven't listened to it in a couple of months, I struggle to recall what the song's about or how it goes, you know, because none of them have like, like I said, like a hook or a catchy melody to them. And I get that with this song. If you had paid a dollar sixty nine for this track, do you think you would see it less as just some throwaway disposable song? No, no, it would feel exactly the same way. Uh-huh. Exactly the same. Yeah. All right, uh, Captain, what do you think about this one? Okay, this song. Two seconds in, let me take a stab in the dark and say this was produced by Josh Welton. Just a guess, just a random guess. Uh, but having said that, it's not a bad track, I don't think. I like the melody of the verses. That's pretty good. The chorus, though, is, yeah, it's just throwaway. It's, it's nothing. The chorus is nothing. How I wish for the days when he could he would release a track with a good, catchy chorus. I'm not saying he can't write a good chorus, but if he is writing them, he's not releasing them. They're going in the vault because we haven't heard them for a while. This track is very bass heavy. I like it when he drops the falsetto and just sings in his normal voice. That's good. Uh, There's some cool percussion sounds going on in the back, but not much other instrumentation that I can hear. Of course, the obligatory princely backing vocals all throughout this that fills it out pretty well. You've got the bit of comedy there with a monkey at 150. So is he saying that his ex... Is a monkey? Is that what this song is about? It's a bit weird, isn't it? It's a song about... <laughs> I don't know what he's trying to say with the monkey bit, eh? It's a song about his ex, or his ex's face, and then he's like, yeah, you're a monkey, come and get your banana. So, what? <laughs> I don't know. It's not explained very well. But I think at 2.40, this is perfectly timed. I don't think there's any more to this. If there was any more to this, I don't want to hear it, because it barely keeps it together for 240. I mean, there's so little to this track. I don't think it could sustain itself for any longer. It would collapse under its own weight like a... What are those things in space? Black hole or something? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's that song. It's, it's all right. Okay. Toe Jam. Uh, yeah, it's sort of a nothing groove. I guess I would play her a bit. It reminds me of like a 2001 MPG sort of thing. It's very industrial, mm. synthy sort of thing. It's funny for what it is. There's humor in it. There's some like it's kind of cool but it's very throwaway i don't really have much more to say to it about that there's a reference that reminds me of rich friends who needs enemies when you got friends straight out of rich friends oh, some yeah. few years ago uh there's some crazy hi-hat going on towards the end and obviously this was first heard at the artificial age release party which was online and they go into the studio and we heard a little bit of this and i think that was a song that they were working on at the time and i think it might have been one of those songs that just never really got finished and then it's like what is it, May or June when it was released? They're like, oh yeah, we'll just put that out as it is. And it sort of sounds half finished. It's like a, it sounds like the song that has a cool little idea, but just never really went anywhere with it. And so they're just like, yep, chuck it out there. It's a cool title though, The X's Face. That's a cool title for a song. 
as a freebie. I can't complain, but you know, I doubt I'm going to listen to this much in the future. MC, what do you think about the X's face? Well, I don't mind it. It's it's not bad. It's experimental and poppy. No, I can't say that. Um, <laughs> it's, it sounds like a hit. It's a hit. Yeah, it's a it's hit. Super Come funky. On. Give me a break. It's for the Purple Army. <laughs> I've only heard, what, two and a half minutes of it, so hopefully the full version is longer than that and uh, has more to it. I reckon that's it. Uh, you think so? <laughs> to me, The X's Face sounds more like an idea as opposed to a fully formed song, and it reminds me of a lot of different songs over the last few years that have had some good ideas within them, but also I think they've also contained... I'm talking about songs that weren't released on, on albums. You know, odds and ends, you know, bits and pieces that he never put on, on, on an official release from the last few years. A lot of that music sounded to me underdeveloped. And that, so the X's face is probably pretty similar, actually. The production's good as well. I think Josh was, is, is a good influence and he's bringing a, a heavy electro, modern electronic vibe to a lot of Prince's material. We think that he's behind that. And if he is, I'm all for it. But the song itself isn't incredibly memorable. So for me, Ecta's face, I can take it or leave it. All right. So those were our views from, from back then. Is everyone kind of still feeling the same way about this track? Has anyone's views changed? Mine's changed a little bit. It has? Okay. So unlike my review on the Freenet releases show, I'm kind of warming to this song more than I did than when we did that show. But I still maintain that it's a, just a groove jam. In the context of the sound of this album, it works though. And I can sit through it without skipping it. But it's not high on the list of songs. It sort of sits somewhere in the middle for me. But having said that, at this point in the record, it seems to be the turning point in this record where things start to pick up in the second half. Jam, Captain, are your views still pretty much the same or are they a little bit different? My, my views are pretty much the same. I'm probably with player and that seeing it in the context of the album, it does make a little bit more sense, sonically speaking. I like the verse two, second verse, where you've got that background deep vocal doing those... Yeah, ooh, it's, it's kind of funny, makes me laugh. I noticed the similarity to the song Silicon, and I, I kind of, I really like that song. So I, I see this one as kind of the, the lesser of that kind of song. So yeah, it, it's for me, it's still pretty mediocre and average, skippable, but it's fun for what it is. Wow. <laughs> Captain, can you hear a wow? What are uh, your thoughts? I kind of remember what I said about this song the first time. It was a, what, it was, it was a while ago, but I really like this song. I like it even more. I'm pretty sure I liked it before. But I like it even more on the album. I think this fits in perfectly with this album, and it's one of the better tracks on the album. And I think one of the best things about it is it's a very different-sounding track for a Prince track, but it's still totally recognisable as a Prince track. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. Like some of the other songs on this album, that like with the production and stuff, you know, if you play that to just random people, they wouldn't know it was a Prince song if they had any idea who Prince even was. But this song, you, you might be able to guess. But maybe that's just me. I really like this song. So there. Yeah, and my views haven't changed too much either. But my biggest problem with it is just the sequencing. As I've been saying the whole review, the sequencing isn't of I don't fancy it. And this is probably the worst example of following up a sugary pop song with a harder-edged sound that is really about something completely different. And um, that's about it. But you know what? It's... It's about two and a half minutes long. It's it kind of sticks with you every time I hear this. Every time I think of this song, the first thing I think of is that American Blur part, and um, <laughs> it reminds me of Player on our show actually. But 
that, that's for another. That's not awkward at all, is it, player? No, not at all. Uh, Toejam and, and Captain are trading Japanese videos. Uh, the X's face reminds me of you. This is all getting out of hand. Uh, let's go to the next song. Do you know what? Yeah. Do you know what? This song, though, I think I do remember saying. For listeners, they would have just heard it, but for me, it was ages ago. I think I remember saying something like, you know, just as well, it's only two and a half minutes. It couldn't have maintained itself any longer because there's just not much to it. But I really like it now. I think it's really good. I just remember saying that. I just think it's a bit nothing. It's like a just a beat and, yeah. and a vague idea of, of a melody. And it's like just kind of, it rumbles away yeah. and then it I think when it, I, I think when it was a one-off track, though, we judged it as a one-off track. But now it's on the album and you're comparing it to songs on the album. In that way, then it's 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 elevated. <laughs> it's actually it actually stands out in comparison. <laughs> it's elevated now than what it was before when it was standalone. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think the fans feel the same way as well. Oh, fan vote! What do they say? What do the fans say? So the love is thirty-seven point two one percent. Like is thirty-four percent. It gives a grand total of seventy-one point two one percent. Wow! So thus far into the album, this is the highest track at fourth out of eleven. Well, it's the highest so far. It's fourth over. Highest so far, yeah, 70. Our fans be working it like a Mac. They love those sons. Yeah, they do. So, okay. Track number eight is Hard Rock Lover. She likes to party hard. She's a hot rock lover. Once again, we reviewed this song fairly thoroughly in a previous episode. So, just like Prince did with some songs and used songs from a previous album and put them on another album, we're going to do exactly the same thing. We're going to take <laughs> the review of Hard Rock Lover from the previous show and we're going to just put it right here. But it's a bit different. It is different, just like Mr. Nelson. And this could be us. They're a bit different from the original, aren't they? So we'll do the same thing. So here are our thoughts. This is an awesome track. I mean, really interesting sound. I'll save my thoughts for now, but I'm a really big fan of the track overall. It, it really, um, it's damn good. I'll, I'll say that much. Uh, is anyone feeling this one? Yeah, I like it. I'll, <laughs> my, I'll go for my review then. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, I, I agree. A lot of people like this song, actually. I haven't heard that many people on the forums and things not liking it. A lot of people saying, oh, it's a return. It's simple. Uh, it's raw, which I agree with totally. The whole thing's basically two chords just going back and forth. It reminds me of When I Lay My Hands On You, 2001 track, just in the in the vibe of it. Oh, yeah. It's got this real deep, subby bass sort of wob- wobbling along the whole way. That's really cool. The drum loop reminds me of Way Back Home, this sort of wet loop going on. And obviously, you've got this big contrast between the soft verses and the big, loud choruses thing he does a lot. And on the very first chorus, I guess you call it, when he says, you know, make the woman scream. And it, it, I don't know, I haven't checked it out, but it seems like it's just half half a millisecond late, and I reckon that's deliberate. It just kind of anticipates it, and then it's bang straight on it. And uh, I really like one really thing that's sort of hidden in the background. When that big hit comes, you know, bang! But you listen, you hear like these little tinkling bongos in the background. That's a really cool effect. Uh, it almost sort of makes it like this real tribal, you know, ritual possession kind of thing. Really cool. I've just written raw. It's just, it's not overproduced. I'm seeing some people saying, oh, it's overproduced. I'm like, this isn't overproduced. It's like, you know, there's a drum beat, there's guitar, there's bass. 
there's some synths and that's and his vocals. And that's pretty much it. Like I, I think it's not overproduced at all. Prince had, the, could release like just a vocal track and they'd say it was too overproduced. Yeah, it's like I'll oh, listen to all those yeah. effects. Oh, it's oh. yeah. I think he's ruined it. I, he's ruined it. <laughs> people hear the the reverb and they hear the uh, they hear the heaps of guitar effects and they go oh, overproduced. But I don't think it is. I think it's good. Uh, bass is cool. Real bass slappy. There's some real cool bass fills as well going into verses and choruses. And I like the bit at the end where it's, you know, this party hard. I reckon that's cool. It gets, it gets stuck in my ear. I have that stuck in my head all day. Just party hard. She's a hard rock lover. Just over and over and over. So I think it's a great track. Very impressed with it. So there's my review. All right. Player, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I have to agree. The production is nice. It's it's a bit edgy for, you know, Prince's sort of latest production styles. It's it's more edgy, I think. Um, the keys, guitar, and bass really stand out to me. They have just the right tone. But the guitar solo at the end is just too short and abrupt. Like, it just cuts off. I think, like, it sounds to me like an edit. Like, it sounds like the song goes a bit longer, but it's sort of cut short. The only other thing that I have here is the, um, the scream part where he says scream. Like, it seems like he's kind of holding back a bit. Like, he's not, like... Going for like endorphin machine type scream. He's just, I don't know, he's just, just not, I don't think he's given any all in that part of it. I think he can um, scream a bit more <laughs> in that kind of regard. Player wants <laughs> Prince to scream! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I get the sense it has the fury effect as well, in the sense that I think if he ever performs this live, he can kick it up 10 notches. That's good. All right. And with that, let's go to Captain. What are your thoughts, Captain? We have a full length track. It's three minutes and 50. 51 seconds or so and you can probably guess i don't care that much for the verses they're just a bit boring for me but even they build up as the track goes on but the chorus the chorus is where it's at because he's he's got to make the woman scream it's got these funky bass notes just chucked all over this song guitar screaming and the woman but the weird thing is you don't hear the title of this track he doesn't say hard rock lover till two minutes 40 into the song the synth annoys me a bit in the verses. They don't sound Prince-like to me. They sound like someone else is doing that. It sounds like somebody else's song. I don't like it. I don't like it. But I do like the last about 20 seconds. That goes off. The last 20 seconds is great. But overall, I've, I still haven't 100% decided on this track. It's better than average, but I haven't listened to any Prince for a long time. So this is a, a pretty good track to come back and listen to. Yeah, I'm I'm with all of you, actually. I... I think this is a pretty awesome track. Like I said earlier, out of the blue. And I think years ago, this could have had some really big impact on, dare I say it, radio. I know radio is a dead medium now. Uh, At least it seems to be. But this screams like radio pop hit, radio pop single to me. Of 1994. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. Possibly. But no, I mean, truly... truly... I think this is one of the most striking pop singles that he's released in a very, very long time. I can't think of too many in recent history. Uh, In fact, I really can't think of any. The best thing I can say about this song is it's a Prince song. It's around that level that we expect from a decent Prince song. Yeah, it's got those elements. The last couple of years have been maybe slightly under that level that we expect, but this, this is up there where it should be. Yeah, it's got all those classic Prince elements, which, <laughs> just as I said that, it reminded me of one of our show intros, actually. <laughs> but anyway, back to the song. Like I said, it's really striking, and he sounds fresh, he sounds invigorated, he sounds like he's into what he's doing, and he delivers it with some oomph. 
there's some really good feeling behind it. But at the same time, while it maintains all the classic Prince sound, it's updated. I kind of get the sense that this is an artificial, a transition. If it's not an artificial age leftover, then it's a transition from artificial age into a further evolution of Prince's sound, which yeah, is really I mean, exciting to, to listen to. Yeah, it to. feels like the natural progression from artificial age. Yeah. And in fact, I have to mention the Australian artist Hearts in this conversation because when I first heard this song, there were countless moments where I thought to myself, wow, this sounds like a, a Hearts single. There's so many elements there. If you listen to a song called Red and Blue of Hearts's uh, debut album, you'll see maybe not some comparisons, but some similarities in maybe production style and sound. Hearts is, is an Aussie artist, Australian artist who's been hugely influenced by Prince and we know the Prince is a fan and all the rest of it. But I think if it was my guess, I'd say that Hearts has had some sort of impact on Prince. And I think Prince has heard Hearts and, and the singles that Hearts has been releasing recently. And without a doubt, in my mind anyway, it's had an impact on Prince's music, which is an interesting little effect that Hearts has had on Prince. You know, it's almost like the student giving something back to the teacher, the teacher taking it and making something really interesting out of it. So um, when I left you, I was but the student, but now <laughs> I am the master. <laughs> something like that. Only a master of evil, Hearts. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, th I think this is really cool. And I won't say the word striking again because you'll probably kick me off the show. Three strikes and you're out. So Player said he thinks Prince might have been holding back on the screams. Do we think that's because he was just holding back or do we think maybe that's all he's got now? No, no, no. no. I don't think he's holding back. I think he's intentionally sung it the way he, 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 he's sung it. Okay, then. I, I don't know. That's what I feel, I feel like. I feel like if... Well, that's, he... that's the question. I mean, does he have the balls in his, in his screams... Like he's got, he's got the, the edge balls, to it. The balls in his screams. <laughs> has no, he got like the balls in his screams these days? He's got the trebly edge to it, but has he got the balls underneath it in his screams? <laughs> God, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think his screams have been as good as they have been in the last few years. Like he's still got a, an amazing scream. Don't get me wrong, but you know I don't think he can replicate some of the stuff he did in the eighties and nineties. That's yeah. only to be expected. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the thing. Of course, that's to be expected. All singers will lose some something as they get older. Mm. Of their range, yeah. But some fans, you know, they take that as like a, it's a huge insult to say something like that. But it's just a fact. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. It's it's a fact of life. Like you you try to mention to any of these aged 50 plus John Farnham fans that he's lost any of his range and they will go mental. Yeah, but of course you know, he has. Like, it's the biggest insult you could ever say. Mm. But it's just a fact and the proof is there. Yeah. But, you know, people just want to live in some fantasy land where, you know, he's going to be perfect forever. It's not always going to be like 1983. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> That's a good point. And that may be a factor in, in what we're talking about. Uh, with regards to Prince, but like I said, I don't get the sense that Prince is holding back the scream because he can't scream anymore. I just feel like he's intentionally sung it that way. I think if he if he really went for it and belted a, out a scream, a longer scream, a more intense scream, it might sound a bit odd. Like think about the song. The song is really it ebbs and it flows and it's got a really spartan production quality 
And if you just went for this long, massive, intense scream, it might really sound out of place, like he's overdoing it. Whereas everything else in the song is minimalist, pretty much. Yeah. The guitar is what he's screaming through. Exactly. But even the guitar isn't a full-blown, yeah. distorted, crazy guitar solo. It's kind of it's, it's very it's, controlled. Yeah, it's not like the I hate you yeah. guitar. Yeah, exactly. You, you could feel it in the I hate you guitar solo. Mm. Like it was an extension of the emotion. Like just like you think he's holding back on the vocals, he's he's holding back on the guitar as well. Because I was listening to that guitar solo, I was just waiting for it to like really go somewhere. And it went somewhere, but not as hard as it could have. Yeah, but see, I think that's the, I won't use the word genius, but I, th- I think that's the, the, in- the thing that keeps us interested. Like however many years since this guy's first first piece of music, his first album, you know, it's 2015. And where many artists would just go for broke especially on a guitar track, he contains it. So I don't know what that says, but, you know, we all know he could shred. We all know he could step on the fuzz pedal and and make some crazy sounds. But the fact that he's restraining himself and he's... I I kind of feel like it it gives the song a quality of... There's all this angst just underneath the surface. And it's almost like he's he's getting ready to burst to spill over but he's keeping it like he's hot, he's just barely holding it in and i think the scream the guitar solo and the, the rest of the music on the on the song probably speak to that but i don't know it's a good song <laughs> okay just on the um on the lyrics very quickly so i mean my impression of the song is that this is a dream he's having is that what you guys get because he talks at the beginning about the rem rapid yeah, movement mm. and so to me it's like he's you know, waking up and he's, but he's still having this dream about this woman and he wants to make this woman scream before he wakes up kind of thing. Hmm. I don't know. That's the impression I get. Yeah, interesting. I'm not sure. But he does mention, it, you know, R.E.M. at the beginning. So he's not talking about Michael Stipe. <laughs> yeah. What is he, you know, people, when it first came out, there were all these, oh, he's dissing rappers and everything. It's like, I don't, I don't think that's the case. He's just saying like, you know, that he, that this woman likes hard rock. Hmm. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you're right. It's like, uh, well, There's that's... some silly article like, oh, Prince is dissing rappers like he did on Dead On It. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> but do we think hard rock lover, do we think rock is a substitution word for another word that rhymes with rock? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I wouldn't yeah. surprise Yeah. Uh, just wow. a guess. Just a wild I, guess. The thought never... Well, that's a pretty wild guess, Captain. What's the, the difference thought... between that and what the duck? I mean, come on. <laughs> Or shoot the duck, for that matter. But, yeah, interesting. I never thought of it. Yeah, listen never to the song that way. It's, it's more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> more interesting. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll, I'll pay that one. It's 1983 all over again. I will just, yeah, extra lovable early version. Yeah. So, okay, that's Hard Rock Lover. I think we've uh, spoken enough about that. That's what we all said the first time around. Now, I have to ask the question... Are our opinions the same or have they changed? No, mine's pretty much the same. I think it's a great song. I love it even more now. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think this song stands out, or certainly stands out on this album, but over time, my love for this song has grown. And this is the best hit single, even though it's arguable whether this is... I mean, this was never released as a single, was it? Yeah. Technically? Oh, it was okay. This was released so, as the second single from this album okay. ten weeks before the album was released. So to me, yeah, it was on iTunes. To yeah. me, to me, all right. So it's an iTunes single release and all the rest of it. So to me, in that case, what I'm going to say makes a, makes a bit more sense. This has got to be one of his best singles in about twenty years. That's a big call. 
Uh, easily. Like it's easily in a, in a very small handful of songs. It's part of a small handful of songs that I would classify as like, if I thought to myself, a new fan comes up to me and they say, you know what? I'm really familiar with Prince music, but give me four or five singles that he's released in the last two decades. I'd be putting this in my top five with it, without even thinking twice. It is that good. I think it's got that Mac style. It's super sexy. It's super, it's very well produced. It's got a really good edge to it. And everything else I said in the review, you know, the vocals, the guitar sounds, it's just filthy in the best possible way. Everything we love about Prince music in one song, even the title, brilliant. So, Captain, are your views still the same or uh, have they changed? It has changed a bit, but not much. It's still a good song. And the only thing that's really changed is now with this being surrounded by all these other tracks on this album, this song to me sounds like this odd bird. It just doesn't fit in for me. I mean, this is the most, probably the most like Prince-like track on this album, and it almost doesn't seem to fit with all this like industrial beats and everything else around it. I mean, it does have a bit of that, but it does, doesn't seem to fit for me. I mean, it, it offers a break from those sort of tracks, so in that way it, it can fit in, but it just seems like a strange inclusion like in relation to everything else on the album. Do you know why it is, Captain? I, can, can you help I, me out? I don't what know about why. To say? It just sort of stands out now as... I can tell you why. Tell me why. You've got to listen to my... you got to listen to my resequenced version, Captain. What are you doing? That doesn't change the songs it's surrounded by on this album. I think um, I think we actually talked about... Uh, this is going to be hard because everyone would have just listened to this, but we did talk about in our previous review, we were talking about how this song sounds different, has a different sort of sound. Even though it has all the princely elements, there is something about it that sounds a bit different. Have And now, hearing it in the album, to me, this is the song that's like the perfect mix of the Prince sound with the Joshua Welton thing. Some of the other songs, the Joshua Welton thing's mm. just not quite happening for me, whereas this one, I think this is the, the quintessential Josh Welton slash Prince song. Yeah. It sort of sits in the back. Yeah, with a lot of the other songs in this album, Josh's evidence of him being there is very strong, but it's a lot less on this track. This song's a lot more about the vocals and the guitar, which is Prince, and the beats are sort of, and the synths are like pretty low-key in the background. I mean, that's part of it, but it just, yeah, it just doesn't seem to fit for me, but yeah, it's still a great song. And the other thing is, this is one of the newest tracks, like the most recently recorded track that's on this album. You know, a lot of these songs that are a year, year and a half old. Only a few of them are even recorded this year. But this was, I think, from June 2015, so it's pretty recent compared to everything else on this album. But I don't know if that makes any difference to anything. That's all. Okay. Let's introduce Player. Give us your thoughts on uh, whether your thought, well, whether your thoughts have changed or not about Hard Rock Lover. Okay, I like this track from when we did the Freenet releases show, but the more I listen to it, the more I like it. I still think it could be turned up a few notches if it was done live, but this is a quality track. One thing I didn't mention that I picked up on on subsequent listens is the part at 2 minutes 31, where he sings the, she likes to party hard. Party hard. Yeah, 
She's a hard rock lover. I can totally see him, if he does this track live, like breaking the song down at that point and dividing the men and women in the audience to chant those lines to each other. You know how he does that? Kind of like the way he gets uh-huh. the audience to chant the slow down verse. Oh, you're one step You're one step ahead, player. One step ahead. Yeah. In Little Red Corvette. <laughs> I can definitely see that. Yeah. yeah. So, I yeah. can... And when I hear the song, I always, like, hear that in my head. Like, when I get to that yeah, part of yeah. the song, I always hear it kind of like live and he breaks it down and gets the guys to sing that part and the girls to sing the you know uh there is a little bit distortion on this uh track but i think it adds to the overall sonic quality i like it as far as the fan vote goes uh mc you will have to take the uh molly meldrum award for predicting hit songs this came first in the survey 50.54% 50.54% love it and 31.09% like it, giving a grand total of 81.63%. Wow. So it ranks first. That's a big score. It's massive. It's a massive jump between this song and all the other songs. So massive. that is the f- number one. Yeah, it's first. And surprisingly, first. that's all the, the song all the where Josh's production is least obvious. Well, I, I'd say maybe not least obvious, but least cliched. You know, all the other songs have like cliched sounds in it, I guess. Mm. This has like a more sort of ethereal sound quality in it. So uh, all the fans agree, this is this is it. This is the highlight of the album, of the whole album, this this track. Wow. It's easy to see why. I mean, it's, you know, quality speaks for itself, right? When you have a great track, what more can you say? I don't know if it's just because time has passed. I mean, it's since this came out, it's been, well, maybe three months. And I remember, I think, I think when we when I reviewed it, I'm like, you know, this is one of the best songs that he's done in ages. Mm. But now, like on this album, yeah, it doesn't seem as good to me. I think the thing that used to happen early on, well, early in Prince's career, was he he had a song like this and he promoted it. He put a video out. He performed it live. He really put it out there in your face. And that similar sounding pieces of music that are on the charts at the moment, this could blow them all away. But yet it's. You know, we're talking about it, but I don't know if anyone else is. It's buried like three quarters into the album. Yeah. Well, on this sequence, yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) So so what do you say when when I say something like, when I'm listening to this album, sometimes I skip this track? What? Yes. It just doesn't seem to fit for me, like in this album. I don't skip it every time, but like maybe maybe You'll half the time. You'll have to get MC's resequence version. You will. You really will. And I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll get to You've that. Got to click on that. I'll get to it. But yeah, I have skipped this song. It just doesn't fit like the flow. Yeah. I'll listen to yours. Fine. <laughs> You've got enough of an issue with the flow of the album that you'll listen to the Rob S resequenced version. I still don't think Fantastic. it's going to fit though. We've got to put that link up somewhere. I'm going <laughs> to promote the crap out of that. <laughs> Track number nine, which is almost an, an interim piece of music here, but I'll, I'll, I'll let us get into it. It's Mr. Nelson. Let's do this. Uh, Captain, start us off. Let's go. The first thing I hear in this song Anyone who was around in, uh, I don't know, must have been about 1992. That was a great song. Mr. Dobolina, Mr. Bob Dobolina. <laughs> that is what I hear. Every time she's like, Mr. Mr. Nelson. Mr. 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 Nelson. I'm just hearing Mr. Dobolina, Mr. Bob Dobolina. Every time she says it. I love it. I want to make a remix like 
those two together. It'd be great. That's all I hear. Whenever I think of Mr. Bob Dobolina, I always remember the... I don't know who the rapper was, but he came out Del to Australia and he did yeah. it on yeah. Hey Hey It's Saturday. And I remember they just took the yes. total mickey out of him while he was doing it. It was hilarious. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this song, you, you could say it's a remix of Clouds. And I think we asked this question before, but is this the first remix track put on an album? No. No? What else? What else? This could be us. Okay, before this album. Funk and Roll. Oh, yeah, the Funk and Roll. Yeah, okay. Fine. Okay, except for those two. (laughs) (laughs) Except for those two. (laughs) Has it ever happened before? No, we actually talked about this last time. We talked about songs that made a second attempt, like the dance. Which we've already brought up once in this this review as well. You're going to see me, but not Uh, remixes per se. Okay, so this song, Mr. Dobolina, this song starts off as like a nice sort of toilet break for the album. But then only like a minute in, you're like, oh no, I've got to get back out there and listen to it, because it gets good. I like this song. Uh, After like a minute, it really kicks off, and then I like the track a whole lot better after that. I mean, more of this song is not based on clouds than is. 120, we get that great marimba sound and little breakdown, and then 140, the, the funky bass comes in. 150, we've got that like oriental sounding part and the Santana esque solo. I really like that guitar solo. Um, especially the, those two high notes at uh, 2 minutes and 2.15. I didn't think I'd be saying this, but I would, you know, this track I'm sure in the fan vote is either like 10th or 11th on the album but I really like it. I'd, I would like to hear more of this song. Especially the second part. I'd like it. The end. You talked a little bit about the Santana-esque solo. Who was that guy who back in the days Mr. Of, of the <laughs> back in Delafunka Home Sapien back in the days of the MPG Music Club on one of the MPG audio shows I remember falling in Jacob love with this Amen. That's right Jacob Armen this the guitar playing here is reminiscent of some of Jacob Armen's work don't you think Jacob Armen was a drummer Oh really so who was playing the guitar on, on his music I don't know maybe Prince then I just remember hearing a ridiculous guitar heavy, like it's just basically a, a guitar solo with like, that goes for like two or three minutes with drums in the background. Yeah, I remember that track. And it was really, really cool. And I thought he was a guitarist. Well, you can cut that out. <laughs> Mr. Nelson, Toe Jam, what are your thoughts on this? Mr. Mr. Nelson? I think this is the most skippable track on the whole album. I don't really like it. I actually don't mind the first minute which is basically the the remix section of Clouds. Like, I like that as a remix of Clouds. I don't like it as an, what's this doing on the album? If that was like, if Clouds was released as a single and th- and that part was like a separate, you know, remix, I, I like that groove. I don't like the last part where it's all fast. It reminds me of like playing like an arcade game, like Ridge Racer or something. It just has that, Sound and I just find it very generic. But it's got the marimba. Dun, dun, dun. I think it's like steel drums. They're like keyboard steel yeah. drums. I mean, the speed up, the first time you hear the speed up, you go, oh, what's happening here? But after that, it's just, I don't know. I don't like the song. I don't like normally just skip it. There's some bass in there, but it's not really out there, out of this world. I don't like the Mr. Nelson, Mr. Nelson, Mr. Nelson. It just sounds silly. Uh, the guitar solo I've written down, it reminds me of the Apollonia 6 B-side in a Spanish villa, which is a totally different style, but it's, um, has that sort of, what would you call it? Arabic guitar sort of sound, Santana kind of thing. I've written on this one, it's another flow stopper and there's not much flow on this album and there's lots of stops, lots of flow stopping going on. 
I, I actually think this works better. I, I, I hate to do this. I hate to agree with MC on this kind of thing. I think it does work better <laughs> as an- For a change. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he put this as the first- he put this as the first track of the album. When I saw that, I'm like, no way. You can't have the worst song as the first song. Having said that, listening to it as the first song, I think it actually makes more sense because it's like segueing from Artificial Age into the new Joshua Wilton thing. My man. Yeah, but having said that, I think this is the, the most skippable track on the album and that's all I really want to say about it. Notice that I haven't chosen a most skippable track yet and there's only track 10 and 11 left. What could it be? <laughs> Let's talk about MC's like um, resequence version. I just want to say that just about something that Tojam said. The reason I chose this as the album opener on resequence version was for two reasons. One, or three reasons, just really quickly. One, yes, it's a it's a transition from artificial age straight into this. Makes a lot of sense to me. Two, it's predominantly instrumental and it really kind of lifts your spirits and gets you excited for the album, which Million Dollar Show doesn't for me. And three. Oh, three. No, no, no. Three is this. I think it's a great way to bookend the album with June. And the reason I say that is Mr. Nelson obviously refers to Prince. June is when Prince was born. You start start the album with his name and you end the album with his birthday. Boom. That's how you do it. Anyway. I'm I'm sorry, MC, but I, I didn't I didn't make that connection. So <laughs> Plus, you're getting the worst track out of the way straight off. <laughs> that's that's <Exactly>. true. <laughs> that's not my opinion. That's someone else's. <laughs> it's the fans. The fans vote. Well, before we get to the fans vote, and basically my thoughts on the song are it's a great album opener. And with that, play it. <laughs> track, track nine is a great album opener. <laughs> <laughs> I like this track, but it's pure filler. It is filler. You can't even really call this a song. Um the first half is just replayed samples and the second half is just a kicked up tempo instrumental. And I think this doesn't work is for a lot of people is because you can't sing along with it or anything. There's nothing really you can do with this song. The only thing that I can see that you can do with it is add it to the end of Clouds to make your own extended version. But standalone, it doesn't really do anything, which is just a shame because I really like Clouds. I think it's a great track, Clouds. Um, but here... What about the solo? Oh, I'll get to that. Guitar solo. In the first... 55 seconds is kind of that come on, come on, rackified, bat dance-esque hybrid mishmash until the 55-second mark where the tempo increases into the instrumental that has that keyboard marimbas and the guitar solo. The guitar solo reminds me of a mixed variation of the guitar line used in the song The Max uh, or, you know, The Raven to the Joy Fantastic. Yeah. It sounds a bit like that. that. It's a little bit of a variation on that. And the last part of it, the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, sounds like high from the Chocolate Invasion. And that repeats twice and then it's over. So, you know, there's nothing to see here. Keep moving. Oh, at 137, there's a cool piece of studio trickery. I like that Oh, part yeah, I know the Yeah, bit. this is pure filler. Oh, that's the, the Skype breaking up sound, isn't it? So we hear, we hear that all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. it. So the fan vote. Okay, the... Love box got ticked 15.77%. The like box was 25.88%, given a grand total of 41.65, which if you work it out by now for those people playing at home, that makes it 11th out of 11. So you have the highest rated track sort of back to back with the weakest track on the album. Yeah. So uh, it comes 11th. The grand total is 41.65%. Uh, and it's clear, like a lot of people, like I was saying before, with the this could be us, the fans clearly sort of 
say that they don't like remixes on the album. They don't want they don't want this sort of stuff on there. And they really voted with their feet with it. Ha-ha. Track number ten: Thousand Hugs and Kisses. Cause I got a thousand hugs and kisses for when you come back home, baby. Or if you're reading it, a thousand X's and O's, doesn't doesn't that roll off the tongue nicely? This is a song that was orig- the original version that none of us have heard was uh, supposedly recorded Sydney. recorded in Sydney. Yeah, there you go, Sydney, Australia. Mm. Come back, come back to town, Prince, and uh, shut this down. Yeah, so this song was recorded in 1992, I think, and has been revived. For this album, having never heard the original, all we can comment about is this version. So why don't we get straight into it? It's the second last song on the album. Take it away, player. This is my favorite track on this set. He's taken this song and really sexed it up. The beat is nice and hypnotic. It puts me into a trance in a good way with the finger snaps and the kick drum. The ethereal keyboard chords reminds me of the keyboards in Joy and Repetition, how they just sort of wash over your ears in this kind of sublime way. Uh, The lead line keyboard line is also a really nice addition. The song lyric-wise is really well written. To me, it has hit all over it, great lyrics. I like the little intricacies that he puts into it, like, you know, how he starts it off by saying page one, and then in the second verse, turn the page before each verse. Like, he's telling a story. That's kind of cool. All the pieces in the puzzle of this song absolutely fit together perfectly for me. I can't get enough of it. This song is 10 out of 10 for me. I love it. Awesome. Toe Jam. Uh, I don't disagree, actually. I I really toss and turn over which is my favorite song on the album, this one or Hard Rock Lover. I think Hard Rock Lover maybe just beats it slightly, but I agree with everything Player said, and a lot of the same things I said has that join repetition seeping chord thing going on in the background. This, to me, is is a vocal showcase. Um, The instrumental part is really simple. It's so simple. It's just these three chords going back and forth. Uh, three minor chords, one, four, and five, and it just goes up to the four, up to the five, back down to the four, back down to the one, just going around and around. The bass, which isn't a real bass, it's what well, it sounds like a keyboard bass to me, it literally just plays octaves the whole time. It, I don't think it varies at all. There's no running bass lines at all. It's just dump, 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 and it, just, it sticks on the root of the chord the whole way through. But I think that gives it such a good effect because it's like it just gives this trance thing, like Player was saying. And with those keys just seeping over the top of that bass and the, just a solid beat the whole way through, I think it's such a good atmosphere. And then Prince's vocals over the top, you know, he's not like straining, hitting these high notes and he's not doing these super low notes, but it's just so controlled. Um, I really love his vocals on this. I think it's just every little nuance of space going on is just, it's so like, it's perfect. It's just amazing. Um, I love the chorus. I love the chorus, how it's just a sort of flutter of vocals. You know, I got a thousand hugs and kisses, da 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 da, and, and um, it reminds me of Extra Lovable and I think Pink Hashmere, and there's a few others where he has these kind of fluttery choruses that just kind of speed along, da 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 da. da. You know, I think it's a really cool effect. I can hear, yeah, similarity to um, Pink Hashmere there. Yeah, uh, well, Pink Hashmere is like, you know, I'm making you a coat. It's like da 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 da. He's got this sort of. He always starts the chorus with this sort of flutter. Um, and I really like the when he does that. I haven't got much more because it's such a simple song and I just think the vocals are just amazing. There was one other thing. There's a bit of irony here. Uh, he doesn't want to say the word bitch. You know, life can be such a sometimes. Yeah, it's kind of like faded out. Yeah. The irony I see on that is that on the same day that 
Hit and Run was released on Tidal. Tidal also re-released the Chocolate Invasion and Slaughterhouse. And I think the Chocolate Invasion, which never had My Medallion on there, now has My Medallion. In My Medallion, there's this a big line where it's just like, and she called me a bitch! And it's like, okay, so Prince is going to put the proper version of Chocolate Invasion, which has this big, nasty, called me a bitch in there. And yet on this one, oh, no, no, we're not going to say it. We're not going to say it. Bit of irony there, I thought. But yeah, I think this is a really stellar song. And I don't think I've ever skipped this. Every time it comes on, I listen to it from beginning to end. and I haven't skipped it once yet. It's great. Yeah, I, I turn it up. I turn it up as soon as it comes. This is, I think this, this and Hard Rock Lover are the only two songs on the album that I think stand up to you know, what I would say is Prince's top quality, not like not even like, but just good quality Prince music, th- these two. Top shelf. Top shelf, that's a better way of putting it, yeah. So is this also, I was just listening to some of the remarks you were making, is this as close as we're going to get to the world famous Toe Jam's dream song on Hit and Run? Oh, I never thought of that. And I think I would totally agree with that. Hmm. Although Hard Rock Lover has that dream thing about it too, you know. Yeah, a little bit. That turns into a nightmare though every chorus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this little moment of the toilet break. Someone said the toilet break for Mr. Nelson. That's <laughs> like, oh, you have a dream. You get up, you go to the toilet, and that's, that's your Mr. Nelson. Come back, thousand hugs. So, <laughs> One thing I forgot to mention, it reminds me heaps of the Love Sign Shock G remix on Crystal Ball. They're so similar. I play the Shock G remix of Love Sign and then this one. And it would not surprise me for a second that Prince says, look, I want to do this Thousand Hugs songs. It's been lying for ages. Have a listen to this Shock G remix. That's the kind of thing I'm wanting. And then that's what Josh has gone about. That would not surprise me for a second. Anyway, so there's my review. Okay, two out of two ain't bad. So with that, I pass it over to Captain. What are your thoughts on A Thousand Hugs and Kisses? Is this the oldest song he's ever released on an album? 23 years late. That it has to be. It has to be the oldest I track. I can't think of another one. I'd say it has to be. It has to be, surely. 23 years, a pretty long time. I mean, you had like, Strange Relationship was from 82, it came out in 87. So that's only five years. Can't Stop This Feeling I Got was, I think, 86, came out on Graffiti Bridge, that was, that was only four years later. 23 years. The only thing I can think of is In a Large Room with No Light. Oh, okay. That was 86. Which was like 86. And then it was 2011. But that was never on an album, though. Yeah, it didn't come out on an album, but, you know, mm. I'm not yeah, really counting. So. Extra, oh, Extra Lovable. Extra Lovable, that's the oldest Not on an album, but yes, that would have to be. Rave's up there. Rave was, Rave was like between 88 and 99, something like that. Uh, it's 11 years, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. There's a few. Here's one that'll blow your mind. There might be one that we don't even know about. <laughs> yeah, Million Dollar Show was the first song he ever wrote. <laughs> How prophetic. <laughs> when he was like seven years old. He was planning for the future. Hey, you never know. Yeah, with that lyric, I heard about it on the internet or whatever. Yep. He wrote it all the way back then. Planned it all. Well, yeah, I wouldn't put it behind him or past him. Well, see, Toe Jam, Toe Jam took half my notes already. This is really, it's classic. Prince and along with Hard Rock Lover, they're the most like princely sounding tracks on this album. And I mean, the beats and production, like, yeah, they're pretty restrained compared to other songs on this album, which is a good thing. This song could have sounded very different with a more like severe arrangement and production. And uh, Toe Jam said, uh, more, more implied swearing at 221. Man, just say bitch. If you want to say bitch, just say bitch. Don't edit it out 
when and then even leave the last syllable in so we can hear it. That was the mistake. Either not have said it at all or totally edit it out. But don't even leave the ch at the end so we can still figure out what it was. And don't say it was which because that is just some silliness. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but having said all that, this is... I mean, it's a good song, but it's not my favourite track on this album. It sort of sits somewhere about in in the middle. Toe Jam said it was a vocal showcase. If if this was the song that you played for someone to showcase Prince vocals, I wouldn't be that impressed. I mean, it's good, but there's a million better songs. In terms of range, yeah, in terms of range and power, absolutely. But I mean, in terms of control and like use of space and subtlety, I reckon this is up there. It's, the backing vocals are pretty good. I think this. I think this one in, is going to be, in the fan vote, this is going to be up there. This is going to be top three, I'm sure. And we'll get to that very soon. That's it? That's it. Okay. I love this track. It's awesome. It's groovy. It's hypnotic. It's got a really cool rhythm to it. The lyrics are awesome. I think it's Prince wearing his emotions on his sleeve, which he rarely does. So from a songwriter's point of view or from a songwriting point of view, I think this is really well done and it's a, I'll use the word romantic. I think this is a genuinely romantic song. Like this is something that couples can listen to together. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? Uh, no. <laughs> no, it's lovely. It, no, I agree with it. No, but what I mean is like, you know, like. They can sit down and hold hands and listen to the song together. <laughs> You can you can listen, you know, your girl can be listening to Blindfold, this. gagged and bound. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's the only lyric that's a little bit questionable. But other than that, I think it's really well done. And it's also exactly the right length. You know, often we say, I wish this song was longer or we, usually that's what we say. We, we rarely say, oh, I wish this was shorter. But this is like the almost like the perfect length, basically. So from the very, very first note up until the last note, it's like not a bit of space has been wasted at all, even though the the groove kind of doesn't change up too much. This is one of the, this is the longest track on the album. Mm. And you're saying it's the perfect length. It's four and a half yeah. minutes long. Oh, how can anyone listen for that long? <laughs> well, it doesn't feel too long is what I'm trying to say. Like it just, it comes across really well. It's very well produced. It's It's a polished example of Prince really nailing it. Yeah, and, and I think even even where it's placed on this original album version is relatively good. It's kind of sleepy, kind of dreamy, kind of hazy, but it's got enough flair. It's simple, but it's deceptively simple. There are things going on. This start, this is starting to sound like a, a review of his, some of his 80s work, I know, but um, I think it's really well done. So, anyway. Yeah, when you say 80s work, it reminds me a bit of like Erotic City in the in the sense that it doesn't vary too much in the groove. It sort mm. of just kind of chugs along and this does the same sort of thing. Yeah. But it holds your attention all the way through it. I also see similarities to Forever In My Life, again, with the background just being simple and it, and the fact that the backing vocals are just as much as part of the showcase as the lead vocal, if that makes sense. Like, I love just listening to the background vocals in this. It's actually pretty funny that the blindfold gagged and bound, listen to the background vocals in that part. They're hilarious. Because the lead vocal's doing this, blindfold gagged and bound, and the background vocals are going, blindfolded gagged and bound. It's, <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> Have a listen next time you hear Speaking it. Speaking of background vocals, I, I, I love them as well, but I love the part where he where he goes, is something like, ooh, you know, like he, he plays with his voice. It's really, really nice. It's classic R&B, but it's also classic Prince. Really well done. And uh, what's also interesting is that uh, this was recorded for Nona Gay and Rosie Gaines, 
and now Prince is doing it as a male singing it. So it's like, you know, role reversal. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? Oh. But, the, you know, the lyrics work just as well. So They're androgynous. <laughs> like Andy like a- Andy Allo singing, If I Was a King. <laughs> I, I just got that now. What you're wondering is what the fans are thinking about this track. How did you know, Captain? Player, tell us what the fans scored this. Okay, so 49.46% love it and 31.85% like it, giving a grand total of 81.31%. It puts it in as second just behind Hard Rock Lover. Like Hard Rock Lover was 81.63, this is 81.31. Wow. So it comes in second, but just second. By millimetres. Yeah. Having said that, it had the lowest dislike and hate rating. So I think um, I think it wins then. It, it wins it, yeah. If you look at it sort of that way, Hard Rock Lover had the highest like love, but Thousand Hugs is just below that, but it has the lowest dislike and hate. So it's very close. If it's not first, it's it's very close second. So uh, fans love this one as well. All right. So we finally reached the end of our destination. We're about to talk about the last song on this album, Hit and Run Phase One. It's song number 11 and it's entitled quite simply june costa simmers on the stove in june makes no sense yet but it will soon and i'm really really interested to hear what all you guys i'm particularly interested to hear everyone's thoughts about this track uh, i'm gonna hand it over to a uh, captain to open this up Oh, yeah, it's probably a good thing. Hmm. Uh, this is one of the newest tracks added to the album, recorded the same day as Hard Rock Lover, allegedly. Now, this definitely isn't the first time this has happened, and I'm sure it won't be the last time, but I don't get why people like this song. I'm calling this most skippable track on this album. <laughs> what I, a surprise. <laughs> I even prefer Mr. Nelson and This Could Be Us remix over this. You know, from the zero effort, vocal delivery to the boring beats and synths. Oh, I just find those dull synth chords just so <laughs> annoying. And then you get a bu- more annoying bunch of digital effects in there serving no purpose whatsoever. It's not like he said plain and then there was a plain sound. It's just random digital garbage just chucked all over the place. It's... <laughs> How funny would it be if it was like... Must must be the pasta, and then you hear the pasta boiling. That'd be funny. <laughs> God, that's, that's 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 too highbrow for some people. Obviously, no idea what this song is about. I don't know what what's all this about the pasta. I don't have a clue. Doesn't he say in the song, you know, oh, it'll make sense later or something? Whatever. Maybe he's just trying to change the topic away from bloody everyone saying about talking about pancakes. I don't know. But this is most skippable track. You know, just drop this off the end of the album and end on. A Thousand Hugs and Kisses is instantly better album. The end. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, player, what is your brain telling you about this? Uh, I'm kind of the opposite of the captain. I like this track as well as A Thousand Hugs and Kisses. I think it's a nice way to finish off the album. The opening chords, when I first heard them, made me instantly recall Art Noises' Moments in Love. And then once others on the net started saying the same thing, I was like, oh, okay, it's not just me then. It sounds very eerily similar to me. They've got more ethereal keyboard chords, kind of like in A Thousand Hugs and Kisses a little bit. And it's interesting digital sounds that are sprinkled throughout the track with lyrics are really interesting, even if they don't kind of make 
sense. They are definitely interesting. And it's that kind of quirkiness that I like in these sort of print songs. Better than like, you know, His Ice and all that sort of stuff in the uh, earlier tracks. I like how he sets the song up with the pasta and then kind of branches out into different territory and then comes back full circle, back to the pasta. I think that's pretty clever. I love the echo treatment on Prince's voice, how it kind of fades in and out, like you're like in a dream almost, and and it's in various places during the song. I think it's just a fascinating listen overall, and it's a great insight into his world. I mean, like out of all these songs, these are kind of like the most princely in the sort of in that weird quirkiness kind of way. So yeah, that's that's June. You said fascinating. Yeah, that's not a word I would associate with this track at all. Yeah, I've got a strange reaction to this song. I'm going to call it somber. For the for quite some time, I wasn't sure. I had a weird feeling every time I heard it, and I couldn't put a finger on why that was. It is somber. Yeah, it is somber. Yeah, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, but it's but don't you think it's like a fascinating? Like it's it's interesting. It sort of draws you in. Like when he's talking about all the stuff he talks about, it's kind of like, well, yeah, what's he talking? Like it pricks my ears up. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it does. It definitely does. I, I, I get what you're saying now. It's, it's fascinating in the sense that it's not just like a pop song. It's, it's a yeah. piece of music and some weird lyrics and yeah, it draws you in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it definitely does draw you in. And w- when it did that, it drew me in, and I just felt, I felt a bit weird, a bit awkward, almost like. You know those moments when you're listening in on something and, and you you're not sure if you should be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I get that too. Yeah, you've you've said that about other songs before. I have. This one isn't as it's as not personal. like it's not as personal. It's not uncomfortable, but it's more like if you knew the background to the story, it might be. Yeah, but but even without knowing the background, I get the sense that that, that is a, the somber feel is. I don't know where it comes from, but it, it's it's throughout just the atmosphere of the whole song. It's just there. You know, and interesting that he's placed this last as well. Yeah, what a downer to end an album yeah, on. I mean, seriously. Yeah, yeah the album kind of just fades out and you're not uplifted. You're kind of scratching your head thinking, what was that all about? <laughs> so I think the placement is a bit weird, even though I think on my resequence version, I might have placed this last as well. But, you know, you, you can only do so much with what you're given, I guess. But uh, not sure what else to say. I mean, I have very few notes and, I, and I've read them all. I want to give it to Toe Jam, but I feel like there's something else that needs to be said about it. Unfortunately, I, I've got nothing else to say. I'm kind of clutching at straws here. It is it is a strange listen that I think only one person truly understands what this song is about, and most likely that person is Prince. <laughs> it's almost like, you know what it is? This, this will be my final comment. Just It just popped into my head. It's almost like listening to an idea or a feeling that is going through his head, but even he can't articulate it properly, which is probably why the song doesn't come across. It's not like a universal, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. (laughs) Toe Jam, help us out. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I'll start with my theory on what I think it's about. And I think you've just kind of touched on it at the end there. I think this is just about a moment. And when you really think about it, what did I just think about in the last, say three minutes. And it's amazing how many different and odd things your brain just kind of, you know, you'll think about something and then it's completely unrelated. You'll be thinking of, and then you'll notice something else on the wall or something. And then you'll be thinking about something else. And I think that's kind of what the song's about. It's just like this sort of stream of consciousness, what's happening in his brain, you know, while he's waiting for the pasta to cook. And I think maybe he's, I don't know, maybe he's been doing it in, you know, he's cooking some pasta one day and he thought about how kind of interesting that is that you think about all these different things and he's like, well, that, that might be an interesting idea for a song. I think it's a very arty song. Uh, and I think it's almost like a poem first and a song second. 
Um, it kind of reminds me, not in terms of the song, but in terms of the this poetic thing. It sort of reminds me of like Had You and My Little Pill, where it's a sort of it's more like a, a poem with some music in the background that sort of complement it rather than the music first. This is a bit silly, but I'll say it anyway. It kind of reminds me of sometimes it snows in April. Why? Well, it mentions a month and it's the last song on the album and it's kind of reflective. I like it's basically just rotating between A flat major seven and C major seven, but the C major seven is in a different inversion. There's two different inversions and it changes each time. So it sounds like there's more different chords than there actually are, uh, which is interesting. I like the key solo, the deep key solo. And that, to me, that has to be Prince playing that solo, I reckon. So that's another moment. Yeah. It sounds very from Purple Rainish. Oh, that bassy thing, yeah. 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 It has that princey, spacey keyboard thing where he sort of does these... I don't know. I don't know much much about Josh and Keys, but that sounds like Prince to me. I like his vocals when he sings Another Full Moon. That's a nice little part. There's an interesting lyric about why this planet, why this life, which kind of harks back to way back home, this idea of that, you know, we're coming from somewhere else down to this planet kind of thing. And you've got that weird sound effect running through it, the sort of, I don't know how to describe it, the pasta simmering sound is what I've written here. (laughs) The only thing I don't like about this song is just the pasta reference. It just kind of seems a bit, all right, so he's cooking pasta. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't know. It's just a bit, it's a bit weird, that pasta line. But all the others are interesting. Every other line makes you think, like, he's talking about, was he... You know, born too young. You know, it's like he he should have been born in the Woodstock era and all this kind of thing. And uh, and then he's, he actually says know, born on the Woodstock stage. Yeah, I don't I don't think all the audience would want to see that. Someone actually <laughs> giving birth on stage was too seriously. It's disgusting. I take that as a reference to like so many of those bands that played at Woodstock. You know, that was kind of their birthing into like the mass you know, mass fame kind of thing. So I take it as not necessarily born, literally born, but like, you know, as a musician, he should have been, you know, he should have been hitting the stage when Woodstock, because that's the era he sort of comes from um, musically. And um, he musically. and he mentions, I don't know if you had this in your notes, but it just popped into my head. He mentions Richie Havens, who was actually, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. an artist at the Woodstock Festival. So there's another Woodstock reference. Yeah. Oh, look, we get it. He wants to be Jimi Hendrix. He's he's given us enough clues up till now. It's not a surprise. I also wrote down Joni Mitchell. It reminds me of a Joni Mitchell kind of song. And again, that there's sort of Woodstock reference to that as well, because I think she played at Woodstock, didn't she? Mm. So yeah, it's a very interesting song. Very interesting. And I, I think it works as an album closer. I don't think you could put this anywhere else but last on the album. Yeah, I agree. Very interesting song. I, and I, I like these, you know, Prince, these little odd, little arty songs that he puts on albums every now and then. So I think I think it's very good. There is one other thing that, again, crossed my mind. I'm, I'm thinking a lot about this while you guys are all talking about it. There must be something to this if we're, if we're all engaging in such a lengthy dialogue. But another thing that popped into my head was a lyric which very obviously refers to him, most likely, which is somebody famous had a birthday today. And I'm thinking, is that why he called the song June? Most likely. I think so. Yeah. Did he think of this song on the 7th of June, let's call it 2014 or 2015, depending on when it was recorded. And maybe he's he's just having a moment looking at this pasta boil and just reflecting on his whole life. You can't have two more opposite extremes. Prince, musician, superstar, and looking at a pan of pasta boiling on the stove. 
On his birthday, yeah. On absolutely. his birth- on his birthday, exactly. Yeah, and it's almost like this little private moment where you know, outside everyone's everyone knows it's Prince's birthday, and he's trying his best not to acknowledge that it's his birthday and all this kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So people um, are ringing him, and he's like, "I don't celebrate it." I'm trying yeah, to and it's pasta. just a little. Do you know how to cook pasta? <laughs> and it's just this little private moment where he's just this normal guy cooking pasta on the stove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't have the domio green. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw this out as, a, as an interesting theory. I don't think it's true. I thought this, the first time I heard it, I thought maybe that's what it's about. I thought this was maybe like a song about someone beginning to have dementia in the fact that it's like, it's just a scatterbrain of things and suddenly, oh, I'm back in the real world cooking pasta. Um, I don't know. That's it's interesting. I reckon he's just literally standing there in Paisley Park on his birthday cooking pasta and reflecting on his life. It's kind of in that zone where you sort of stare and you're just like, and you, you're not really paying attention to anything else. Yeah. And then you just kind of snap out of it at the end going, oh yeah, that's what I was doing sort of thing. Or maybe he started cooking some pasta, then he started reflecting on his life and he was getting all nostalgic and stuff and thinking about the past, which of course he would never do. And then let's say- And like then he burnt the pasta. Yeah, yeah. He smelt the pasta burning. He's like, oh man, the pasta. <laughs> So, uh, the Toe Jam said some interesting things there, but then I also think just something the Toe Jam said got me thinking. You know, how many times has someone said, you know, there's, there's, there's these people who just love everything that Prince does. And then there's people who say, you know, Prince could record himself just, you know, going to the toilet and you'd love it. And that's sort of what this song reminds me of. It's just a, I can look at it as just a bunch of just random crap of words, of digital sounds, of anything. And he's putting that out thinking, oh, they will like this. I'm Prince. And because it's Prince, we're like, oh, it's got this deeper meaning behind yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it could just be total nothing. Well, it's not about nothing. It's about cooking some pasta. Which is nothing. That is not a <laughs> bloody topic for a song. <laughs> when you're hungry, it's something. <laughs> then make your pasta. Don't write a song. <laughs> when you haven't slept for eight hours because you've been recording Hit and Run Phase 1 and you need to eat, I mean, something... <laughs> But I, yeah, I can see Tojem had said some good things, but I can also see it as just total self-indulgent crap. It is a bit self-indulgent, isn't it? I mean, he's not... I could look at it and just go, this is nothing. Yeah. He's just put this out there, and even he could think it's crap, but he'll think, oh, well, you know, I'm Prince. They'll like it. What do the people say? Well, if you haven't worked out being the last track, you should realise that this ranked third. So 43.64% love it. 33.08% like it. Grand total is 76.72, so that's third for June. That is shocking to me. Maybe, but wow. when when I do the 11 to 1 countdown, it, it kind of makes sense. But everyone's final thoughts first. All right, well, just quickly, my overall album review for this is it must have been the pasta. <laughs> too much pasta. Too, yeah, too much pasta, stomach very full, head not thinking straight, sleepy. <laughs> no, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, player, what are your final thoughts? Final thoughts for me for this one. This is definitely an interesting release that sees Prince stepping into new territory. I think we've all said on this show that we'd like to see him try something different and fail, then not to try at all and churn out the same old, same old. He's definitely made noise, good or bad, in the community with this release, rattling cages in the process. The good things I like with this album is unlike what MC might say. I think the sequencing is flawless in the sense that they kind of flow into each other. Flawless? 
Wow. Like in this, in terms of like sound wise, not actual songs, but the sounds, like there's no, so it's kind of like a mixtape in the sense, like it, it just sort of flows into each other really nicely. Yeah, okay. The things I don't like is some of the data dance sounds and the fact that a good chunk of the album is rehash either from remixes or previously released internet releases. So in instances like this, it makes me wonder how full or how dry the well really is in Paisley Park. Uh-huh. Overall, yes, this album has an energy, but for me, for the most part, it's a soulless energy that is numbed by digital noise. I'd be more comfortable, as I said earlier, if this was labelled as the Artificial Age Remix album or an MPG album than a Prince album. It'll be interesting where he takes it into phase two, if it ever eventuates. My score on this one would be six and a half out of ten. Mm, six and a half. Okay. Final thoughts, Tojan. Uh, okay. So I don't disagree that the album sounds consistent throughout it in terms of there's not really a song where I think this song doesn't fit on the album. So that's good. That said, I, I find this album has the highest ratio of skippable tracks of all Ooh. Prince albums Ever. So technically, you're saying this is the most skippable album. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, now, someone on the org asked uh, Funkomatic on the org said, you know, he's one of these very disappointed Prince fans, and he said he wants to hear something along the lines of, "This is by far the worst album, the worst Prince album I've ever listened to." When I read that, I thought, "Oh, that's a bit negative. It's not that bad." But I'm really struggling to think of an album that a Prince album that I think is worse, and I say that without trying to be too negative because there are many moments on this album that I do enjoy and there's no other than maybe Mr. Nelson there's no song that I hate and even I wouldn't say I hate Mr. Nelson but I just find that there's not much here for me there's like two really good songs uh, and then there's a couple of okay ones and then there's just a lot of filler I think that's mostly down to the amount of you know Prince's audible input on this album well I, I tend to think there's more there than than is your thought i think there's a lot more prince input in there but i i hate to say this but i am really struggling to think of a prince album that is worse than this one and that kind of scares me yeah i, I in ter- well i again i'm not trying to say worse as in this is this terrible album because i know a lot of people think that and i don't think that i'm just i'm struggling to think of an album that i would play a prince album like a standard prince album that is worse than this like in terms of that I would choose this over that album and I'm struggling to think about what that album is and it, it kind of scares me a bit. Yeah, but do we, <laughs> it scares you. But does it, do we, do we really even need to have that conversation? Like, does it need to be good, better, best? No, it doesn't. That's what I'm saying. My score for the album is a five out of 10, which is, I think the lowest I've ever given. But again, you know, I'm normally, I'm not that negative towards music I find. And I, you know, the, so five out of ten for me, like you know, I'm st- I'll still play this album every now and then, and I'll still enjoy bits and pieces. But as an al- as a Prince album, it's it doesn't live up to the Prince standard. Having said all that, I agree with Player completely. If this was packaged as a Artificial Age remix CD, my opinion of this album increases dramatically. The fact that it's promoted as a Prince album really irks me. So yeah, five out of ten for me. Can I ask you a really selfish question? Yeah. You're giving this album 5 out of 10 based on the way it's been released. Does your score change in any way after Here we hearing go. the Rob S. resequenced version? Uh, uh, maybe a 5.5. 5.2. I'll take it. I'll take it. That said, that said, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm having second thoughts now. I'll put it this way. I think your track list is better. 
The music's but still the same. I wouldn't drop Million Dollar. I like that song. And I wouldn't drop... I mean, I don't, I don't hate either of those two songs you dropped. So I don't like dropping songs... Yeah, I'll just stick with my 5 okay. out of 10. One comment, Captain and I were talking about this the other day before we all came online. One of my criticisms with this album is not so much that the songs are bad or there's a lot of moments that I hate. There seems to be just a lot of, a lot of the songs are kind of mediocre. And then within that, you get the occasional really cool moment and you get the occasional moment that's kind of annoying. But it's this sort of strand of mediocreness that runs through it, other than the two or three songs that I like. So, Captain. Okay, there's lots of things to say about this album. One of my issues is what happened to the immediacy of his work. You know, his biggest deal with Warner Brothers was, I just recorded a song. I want to put it out. Oh, you won't let me. Oh, damn it. He used to want to record it and get it out, you know, the next day, the same day. But not even half the tracks on this album were even recorded this year. The rest are a year old, year and a half. One of them's 23 years old. But like I said before, it's not the first time he's put an older song on an album, but where's that immediacy gone? What happened to that? That's just gone. It's just gone. But I don't think there's, you know, in Prince history, I don't think there's ever been an album with so many older tracks that we know of. Plus, it's a very short album. It's, you know, it's not even 38 minutes long. That's that's up there with, you know, the first two, three, four albums were all around that time. They're pretty short albums. Okay, and you can't talk about this album without talking about Mr. Mr. Welton. Like, I read a whole bunch of those interviews that Josh did with various places, and I get the idea that, you know, what Prince was going for, where he didn't want to use this unknown producer who was up with all the cool new trends. He wanted to get Josh. He's this new guy. He hasn't heard every song out there. He's not corrupted by, you know, influences. So he was free to, you know, create all these new ideas. Now, whether that came off or not is, you know, that's beside the point for me. And like Player said, I'd much rather hear some, hear an attempt at something than not hear anything. So whatever the results are, you know, and the, the people are judging that, I'm still happy that we have it instead of not having an attempt and just the same old boring thing. I want to second that. As much as my review is maybe a bit negative, I, I actually agree with that. I, I would rather hear this, even though I gave it a low score, I would rather hear this than, let's say, another 3121 musicology type album. I agree completely with you guys. Yeah. Even though I might rate that higher, I, I do appreciate the fact he gave it a shot. That's something different. I mean, I, I just add this album to the collection as another album that was significantly different to the last, mm. which is how most of his albums have gone. And only, you know, only the future will tell how this is going to sit in the entire canon catalog after we going to get, you know, if we get phase two, phase three, that might shed some more light on the direction he's going in. I mean, I was, I was really excited about this album coming out, like probably the most excited I've been since maybe Lotus Flower. Because that got a whole lot of hype about, you know, recording techniques never even heard of before. And <laughs> some of the stuff he was saying was hilarious. But I was really excited about this album. And I'm excited to hear the rest of the phases. And I have to say, I've listened to this album more than uh, Artificial Age and Plectrum Electrum probably put together just in the last few weeks. I've listened to it a lot. And I was trying to think about rating this album. And... This is what I think Tojan was trying to get at, is like comparing it to previous albums. Like if I rate whatever number I rate this album, someone's going to say, 
oh, but you rated this other album that number, which that, yeah. well, that means this yep. album's better than that one. Better That's than that one. not yep. how to look at it, uh, in my exactly. view. Yep. I'm judging this on how I feel right now. Now, on the and day. And just about every other album we've reviewed, if we scored them today, they'd be different to what we gave them last time, because things change. But I'm going to give this, even surprising myself, 7 out of 10. That is a big surprise, that's for sure. I mean, I I did criticise some things, but overall, I like this album. More than Artificial Age, it's probably about the same as, I think, Plectrum Electrum I gave maybe around 7 or something, so I like it. And that's all I'm going to say. Well, as usual, I don't have a score. (laughs) My final thoughts will be fairly concise. I was excited to hear this, especially after Artificial Age, which was... It's just almost a classic album. Well, it's certainly a a classic modern day album. Artificial Age, that is. And was really looking forward to hearing the sounds on this release. And my my reaction was mixed. My response was mixed. But I'm like you, Captain, and and also ToeJam. And I think we all, all kind of feel this way. I'd rather hear something like this than hear a carbon copy of everything else that he's ever done. So, you know, if nothing else, we've got a few really strong singles, some new sounds, you know, lest we forget Joshua Welton, who was given the opportunity of a lifetime. I couldn't have done a better better job, you know, from where I'm sitting. So, I think he does. Well, un- un- unless you're talking about sequencing, and that's a whole different story. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's arguable, Captain. <laughs> Even Toe Jam is flipping on me. So, um, <laughs> so look, 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 Prince, Prince. I'm I'm happy to produce your album. I'm more than happy. But I just don't know anything about track listing. I'm sorry, Prince. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> look, uh, I'm sure we brought this up at some point, but look, this is straight to Prince. Listen to listen to me. Let us go in the vault. You can stand there and watch us if you want. We'll choose the tracks. We are going to put together Crystal Ball Part 2 and 3 and 4 and 5, and we are the people to do that. Just understand that. Okay, back to you. Well, thanks for that, Captain. Now that's never going to (laughs) happen. Exactly. And what else was I saying? Uh, That's basically it. I mean... I'm going to call you out, MC. On what? Can you tell me a Prince album that is better than this album? You mean the other way around? Sorry, I'm, I'll say that. can you tell me a Prince album? Uh, all of them. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Well, exactly, there you go. So, um, can you tell me a Prince album that you would choose over this? <laughs> you didn't realise what you just said. Yeah, I know. One too many rums. I can answer Sorry, that question. <laughs> Everything. I'm can sorry. you tell me a Prince album? Can you tell me a Prince album? Yes, all of them. <laughs> Take four. Uh, MC, I'm putting you on the spot. Can you tell me a Prince album that you would put below this album? That I would rate below this album? Well, I don't say rate, but in terms of, let's say you're, you're going to your CD collection or vinyl collection and you've got all of them on in the one and you're going, hmm, I'm going to pick out the Prince album. Can you tell me, I mean, obviously there's different contexts where you've heard one album for a while and you haven't heard this one, but generally speaking, can you tell me an album that you would pick up, that you would pick hit and run up before? Hmm. Prince album, obviously. Yeah, a standard Prince album. Like, I'm not talking about, like, you know, Gold Nigger or something like that or... Or an internet-only release. I can, I can answer this question easily. <laughs> okay, Captain, what do you... All right, well, throw it to Captain. I would pick Hit and Run over For You. I would pick Hit and Run over Planet Earth and oh, possibly yeah. Musicology, just off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I agree with you with Planet Earth, yeah. No, I think I'd pick Planet Earth over this. I'd pick Planet Earth. I mean, there are some good songs on all of those albums, but... I'm really into this album right now. I pick I pick Planet Earth. 
Chelsea Rogers alone smokes most of this stuff, but yeah, Chelsea Rogers. But that's a, one song out of the whole album. Yeah, but it's that that song is on that album though. Yeah, it's like a, a thousand hugs and kisses is on this album, or Hard Rock Lover is on this album. That's what I'm saying. There's two songs there that outweigh a one on the other. Yeah, hit, hit Hard Rock Lover might might outsmoke Chelsea Rogers actually. I think Planet Earth starts really strongly and dies as it goes, and I think this one picks up as the album get, as it goes along. I think this album finishes stronger. Whereas Planet Earth kind of dies, I think. You got me there because when you put me on the spot, I couldn't think of anything. And then when Captain chimed in, I started going, yeah, off. that kind of makes sense. I, I wouldn't put Planet Earth over this, but I would I would put For You. I mean, I can kind of understand For You, but I think that that's kind of a different... I mean, that's hard to... Because it's yeah, the first not, album and it's very different. Yeah. I think the fact that you can't answer this question straight away says it. Yes, I can. Yes, okay, I can. Well. Yes, I can. Although you guys might argue that it's not a valid selection... I would choose Hit and Run Phase 1 over New Power Soul. No way. New Power Soul, this is a million times better than Hit and Run. What? I liked. I was the only one that liked New Power Soul. Go back and listen to that review. Are you serious? I was, I liked, Are you serious right now? Yes, I'm serious. You go back and listen to that review. I was sticking up for New Power Soul that whole that whole review. Come on, The One and Wasted Kisses is great, but this album's got at least three songs that are... That are, that are better than those ones? I don't know. That may be on par, but... Yeah, now you got me second guessing myself. This is a difficult exercise. We can go all night. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, let's not. So, final thoughts. Yeah, let's not. Yeah. So, final thoughts. I think. I think the mo- like the player said, the moments of silence and confusion. My point's been made. <laughs> Must be the pasta. So, um, just to recap the rating rankings. The album clearly is in three sections, the bottom three, the middle four, and the top four. So the bottom three, which is under 50%, which was Mr. Nelson at number 11, number 10 was Million Dollar Show, number nine is This Could Be Us. So they're the bottom three. The middle four tracks are Fall In Love Tonight at eight, number seven, Like a Mac, number six, Ain't About To Stop. And number five, Shut This Down. That's like my top four right there. Uh, Shut This Down was, <laughs> if you remember, 58.35%. We jump up from that to 71.21% at number four, which is Excess Face. Number three was June. Number two was A Thousand Hugs and Kisses. And number one was Hard Rock Lover. So you can really definitely see the bottom three, the middle four, and the top four. We asked, this was the first time for us, we asked our listeners to rate this album out of 10, which was a bit different. The highest number out of 10 that this got ticked was number seven. So it's clearly, for the fans, a seven out of 10 album. Hey, that's what I chose. Wow. Did you say the highest, of all the people who voted, the highest we got was a seven? Is that what you meant by that? No, so like- Was we that the asked, most common? That the was, most common, that was yes. The median. Yes. Okay, fair enough. So people cl- clicked 10, some people clicked one, some people clicked two, three, four, whatever, but the seven was the highest. Yeah. Just a few things um, that came out of the survey, uh, just on the results themselves, we asked the question, are you satisfied with the quality of Hit and Run Phase 1? By quality, we don't really mean sound quality, but just the overall quality of songs and and all that on there. 31.84% rated this as satisfied with 25.44% rating it as very satisfied. So, um, you know, dissatisfied and very dissatisfied was only 12.62 each. They were tied for fourth and fifth. So, um, so there's a lot of neutral there, isn't there? There's a lot of uh, neutral. neutral was 17.48. Okay. So it's actually, it actually rates high. 
the fans a, a total. Well, I mean, I don't know. There, it's, it's like only fifty percent of the people say they are satisfied. Are satisfied. Very, yeah, fifty-seven point two eight. And so there's fifty percent who were either neutral or unsatisfied. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where it falls with that. Let's see. With the survey results, fans clearly don't want remixes, repackaged and rehashed material. They don't want Prince chasing trends. What they do want is if Josh Welton is being used, it's in a small or minimal capacity. So they're not totally adverse to him being used, but not overused. Fans do want a more sort of organic, straight up funk album. Is a lot of the comments that are coming out of it. They do want longer album running times, uh, at least 60 to 80 minutes long, not 30-minute ones. Yeah. And uh, another one that came out of it was more in-depth songwriting. They don't want no blood clots, ice is cold, or come from mini, and that sort of stuff. They don't want that. <laughs> that is basically it. There are other uh, responses that I will put up on our YouTube channel including the title stuff, uh, Josh Welton stuff, remasters, all that sort of stuff. I'll put all that on our YouTube channel so you can have a look at it there. A quick thing of shout-outs, happy birthday to Chloe. Richard in Spain, I give your survey remarks 9 out of 10. Nightchild, Baby Roo, Alexander in Sweden, Oliver in Switzerland, Reverend, Elswen, Eric Vandenut, Spock Nozzle, Manual Nevermind, Frosty319, The Jester, Mark Rodriguez, Michael Dean and the Podcast Juice Crew, Grace Williams, Michael Dean Covington, Donald Marshall, Caddy Gatson, Perry Ross and the Purple Underground, Brando Soul, Chloe Calvin, and Asaya Rogers. Thank you very much. Was that your, like, did you just win some award? Was that your speech? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Nice one. Well, thanks for going through that. Um, oh, a big, big thank you to all the listeners that voted, the thousands that voted. It was really, really the good. 800,000 people that voted. Not quite that much, but um, it was <laughs> a lot. And we really appreciate your comments. Have a look at our YouTube channel. All the results will be there. There'll be graphs and all that sort of stuff, nerdy stuff that you can look at. Thank you for listening and voting. Can I, can I plug some cheap fakes gigs? Yeah, go for it. Uh, so, my band Cheap Fakes are about to release their third album, oh, yeah. and we will be playing all along the coast over the next coming months. So, uh, the album launch is on the 9th of October at the Trifford in Brisbane. Uh, can I ask one thing? Does the album feature remixes or repackaged material? Uh, no. No, it doesn't. It's all original. All original. No remixes. There is a, there's a couple of songs that are a couple of years old. Is there a song that's 23 years old? Uh, <laughs> they haven't been on an album they before. haven't been on an album before. Yes, right. That's okay then. What are you disrespecting me like that player, considering that question? So. <laughs> All right, so the album launches on the 9th of October at the Trifford in Brisbane. A few days later, we're playing at Miami Marquetta in the Gold Coast. The 16th of October, we're playing at Soul Bar in the Sunshine Coast, Maruchidor. Uh, then we're going down to Sydney on the 29th of October at the Tokyo Hotel. And I believe there's a few. And Prince, I'm going to be there. I was going to say, I believe there's a few Prince fans coming along, so I might just have to quote a Prince reference in one of my solos. <laughs> we are playing. There's lots of other lots lots of other gigs, which I might read them all out. Uh, we're going to Melbourne in November, so if you're interested in any of that, go to the Cheap Fakes Facebook page yeah. and the events page, and all the events are there. Shout out to everyone. There, that that just solves all the problems. <laughs> I think that covers pretty much everyone, doesn't it? Shout out to everyone That's on this planet we love you and all. some not. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks for listening. This has been another Peach and Black album review. Until next time. 
Check the pasta. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.